Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Run for the Song Podcast. Welcome to episode nine of Drum for the Song Podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. Today's guest is Gordon Morrison from Raging Speedhorn. If you've not heard Raging Speedhorn before, a lot of people define him as being a heavy metal band, but you'll hear later in the interview why Gordon disagrees with that to some degree. Gordon explains what it was like in the early days touring around the country for years with Raging Speedhorn, living off £2 per day. When the band started getting a bit bigger, he also has some great stories about what it was like touring with Slipknot and why Corey Taylor liked them so much. He also explains why Skindred were one of the best bands to tour with and what it was like recently touring with Phil Anselmo. Gordon's band Rage and Speed On were well known for loving a party and he also has a great story about how they ended up getting arrested in Spain while they were on tour with Biohazard. Nowadays, he spends a lot more time at home with his family, but he still goes on tour with Rage and Speed On. He has a van company and he drives and tour manages and does merch and various other jobs for bands occasionally. So he also describes the differences and similarities touring as part of the band and as a part of the road crew. And I found this really interesting because I've only ever been on tour as part of a band. Gordon also tells us a bit about his drum collection, including his favourite Premier kit. And he also tells us about a whopping 26-inch ride cymbal that he's got. We also chat a little bit about the new album from Raging Speedhorn called Hard to Kill. We found out why they're releasing it on their own label this time. But before we get to the interview, I just wanted to make sure you're all following me on social media. If you're on Facebook, you can search for Dane Campbell Drummer. And there's also a Drum for the Song official Facebook group on there that you can join. If you're on Twitter or Instagram, you can follow my personal account, Dane underscore drums, or, or preferably and, you can follow Drum for the Song. After the interview, I'll talk a little bit about my Patreon page. It's where you can sign up and you can gain access to exclusive content like bonus episodes, a monthly Q&A session with me, and loads of other cool things. So make sure you listen at the end. Whether you've just discovered this podcast or whether you've listened to a few episodes, Please make sure you're subscribed, whatever you're listening, whether that's YouTube or Spotify or Apple or Acast or any of the others. And if it lets you, see if you can leave me a like or a comment or a review. That would be amazing. And please share with anyone else you think might be interested in these podcasts. But for now, let's get to the interview with Gordon. Run for the Song Podcast. So hi guys, this is Drum for the Song Podcast. I'm here with Gordon Morrison from Raging Speedhorn. Great band. How, how's it going, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, can't complain. It's a, you know, it's being locked down in Caffili, as you know. Yes. Um, one little fun fact for the listeners is that me and Gordon actually live in the same town or village. Is it a village or a town? I don't know. I don't but, know. Um, probably a town, really. Yeah, it's probably a town. But, um, 
I wouldn't normally like to do this over the internet, but we're not allowed in each other's houses right now. So we're resorting to this. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's right? a very strange time. Yeah. Isn't it? Very strange. But yeah. We're, we're all dealing with it as much as we possibly can, but it, they're making it difficult for us, aren't they, God? I know. Very <laughs> difficult. Very difficult at the minute, but I mean, things seem to be picking up and then it's all gone pear-shaped again. Yeah. But, uh, as long as we're all safe, I suppose that's all, all that matters. Exactly, man. But, uh, I mean, I've, we've had a quite of a, because obviously my, my little girl goes to the nursery and we got a phone call the other day, well, two weeks ago now, saying that a, a kid in her, in her class had COVID. So... <laughs> So we had to bring her home and not let her outside the house for uh, 14 days, which trying to explain to a three-year-old oh why she God. can't go out is a bit hard. Yeah, that is but hard, actually. So does she, is she aware of the, of the virus? Sort of. I mean, yeah, she is to a point, but, you know, telling her that she can't go out. Yeah. Yeah, luckily, we've got a nice garden, but, I mean... It's just a bit, why can't I go to school? Why can't I go to nursery? All of that kind of thing. Because, I mean, a three-year-old doesn't want to be around adults all the no. time. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Ah, uh, well, yeah. she'll be back in soon enough, hopefully. She, she's, she's start, yeah, she's back in now. Oh, cool. So, oh, nice. Which is great. Yeah. Good for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. So, this is, so start about talking about your drumming then. So how did you originally get into drumming and how old were you, et cetera? Um, I think I was quite a late sort of, I started on bass really because I don't know, I, I don't know why. I think it was more sort of Nirvana-esque kind of stuff sort of started me wanting to play. Um, but I think it was that typical thing of, I want to be a guitarist. No one wants to be a drummer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Do you want to try and play drums? And I sort of just picked it up sort of from there. And, you know, I just started really liking the drums more than anything else, really. Nice. I'm quite, I quite like being at the back. I don't really like being a front, per front person. But yeah, it just sort of all stemmed from sort of, I think sort of the, sort of Brit pop kind of stuff into sort of the grungy, grungy kind of sort of scene made me want to start playing more and more. But, you know, asking my dad and my mum constantly, can I have a drum kit and getting no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for a long, long time. No, because I was one of these people who like, I didn't have much of an attention span. Right. So my dad was like, no, because I'll buy you one and it'll just sit in the corner if you're not wanting to play it at all and then finally i got a drum kit um and that was that was that really so how, nice how so how old were you when you had the first drum kit do you think i think i must have been about 14 or 15 okay. i think because our, our singer frank he's like my best friend We've grown up so i've just always known him he was he was like the best drummer in our town. Right. You know, he, he was unbelievable. And I was like, oh, luckily he was sort of around, but he was too cool at that point. I mean, we're both the same age, but he was, he was with the cool people. That, uh, you know, 
he was like this cool musician where everybody wanted to hang around with and i was this little dweeby dude who was, <laughs> you know going in there was this place called um a mcdermott hall it was basically for because there was nothing really in our town so it was where all the music all the musicians sort of, what town was it sorry in corby corby yeah just to yeah put that so up there. It was, yeah it's like this sort of community sort of um place where um once a week all these music kids or musicians would sort of go to this place and there was this one cool dude with this really nice drum kit but he would never let anybody play on it <laughs> <laughs> so we'd have to play on the rubbish kits but uh yeah that's sort of how i sort of got into playing and knowing people nice. um because it's quite a clicky sort of town where we come from. So it's like, you've got to get in with them cool dudes or you've got no chance in hell of doing right. anything. Yeah. Well, you did well, you did well to get in with them, man. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was because me and John and Tony, the, the old guitarist and old singer, we started this band. So I thought, I think that when then we did like a demo and that, these these cooler bands sort of heard it and was like, oh, we should do a gig with these guys, and that was that was like, we were we were sort of in with the cool dudes. And nice. So what what band was that? It was a band called Box, and it was more like yeah, it was like sort of Silverchair meets Deftones. <laughs> it was nice. the weirdest sort of because like me and John and Tony were heaven heavenly into like uh, like Silverchair. We loved Silverchair, um, still do. To be fair, yes. But, um, that was the band. That was the first band I ever went to see live as well on a freak show. Nice. nice, And that was sort of I know. Oh, that I've, I was listening to the demos the other day, and it's just so funny how much it sounds like Silverchair. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was sort of that, and then we went to see Deftones, and it sort of started to get onto the heavier side. And I think that was that was sort of it. We only did like two two show two shows, and then we sort of started talking to Frank and the other guys in his band about doing another band, and then sort of that came Rage and Speedhorn. Oh, nice! So you so Rage and Speedhorn started when you were well, were you were still a teenager. Yeah, I was oh. probably eighteen. Oh, when very it started. cool. And then we were signed by, I think I was twenty when we wow. the deal. So it, it sort of. Well, we got signed, but then it didn't really all sort of, I remember when we were going down for these meetings and our manager was saying, like, what, what do you want to do with the band? And we said, but we just want to tour. We just, because obviously we didn't really know what, like John was 15 when like we got right. signed. <laughs> 15, 16, 17. And, but like when we first got uh, a manager, so uh, we had to wait till jo Tony sort of, I mean, John, was about 16 when we started prop 16 17 we started touring but our, our manager was like there's two tents <laughs> there's a look because obviously back then internet wasn't this big thing yeah um there's a load of tour dates that go off and just tour and we'd every couple of weeks we'd get like a mail some more dates mailed in the post so we just got like, okay and we were just on tour for probably well, four or five years constantly on tour. That's amazing, man. Um, probably three of them years was just playing to nobody, <laughs> you know, like going to like a place and then going, can we have some water? Or oh, you're not a Saturday band, so you don't get any water. You don't get water. Like, 
Honestly, it was like, it was so bad. We didn't get anything. It was just, and we got two pounds a day to live off of each. Two pounds. <laughs> two pounds. Yeah, that was our PD. So oh we, had my to, God. we had to buy sort of everything with that, which is, luckily, I mean, our, our manager did buy us a van and oh. a dude to, to drive us around, which was awesome. So but obviously that was coming out of our money later yeah. on down the line. <laughs> but um, So that was sort of, we just did that for, for years before That's anything sort of started to happen, really. So what was, the, what, was, what was the turning point when you actually started playing to people, I suppose? Was it that gradually build up or did you get a, yeah, a, a it was break? Sort of, it was like, well, it just went from, to me, it felt like it went from zero to a big sort of thing really quickly we sort we went on tour we got like a tour with a band called earth toe nine yeah like that. a crang sort of tour and then it just sort of went from there to playing with world haven and then we went to europe and then when we were in europe we got the uh Ozfest um day milton king's bowl and after that it just Whoa. sort of went a bit crazy from then on in I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it, just went, it just went insane for like, and it, we, I don't think we were quite ready, ready for that really. Cause mm. we weren't a band. What we never thought we'd go past what we started doing. We never wanted to. That's the problem. I think that was the major, the big thing is we always wanted to be this underground band. We never wanted to be a, like this big sort of, well, to be fair to the band we became, we never really wanted that to happen. Wow. Which is quite strange in a, in a way. You know? Yeah, yeah, because no, you know, normally a band would have some form of aspiration. Yeah. To become some, you know, to become uh, something. Well, I think what it was is because we came from such a small, it's a bit like a, like the towns that like not sliding the valleys off because I live in the valleys, but yeah. you know it's like that thing of you haven't really you don't really think you're ever going to get out of that sort of and we were sort of in that mentality of we don't really care we're doing it for us we just yeah. want to be loud and noisy and annoy people yeah and it sort of and it it was quite strange when it all started doing quite well and especially back it's quite weird to explain it to people but like when we started doing well there weren't this big sort of facebook thing so all people heard about it from you was from krang magazine or so like we'd end up having kids well i did have kids outside my house instead like, it was insane for a while with speedball and um i just weren't sort of ready for that kind of craziness i don't think <laughs> oh well i guess no one is ready for stuff like that to happen no it just sounds like it did it did happen fairly quickly then yeah obviously you worked hard though you worked hard at it yeah at the start. well we were i mean from the from the time we started touring until we fit we sort of had a break in 2000 we never stopped touring we were just on tour constantly and then we sort of wanted some time off but then three of us started another band I mean, and we were on tour with that all the time. So <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't really ever have any time off of touring no. at all until I fin completely finished touring when I was like 29. I thought, I just need some time off. Yeah. From when I was 18, 19, till I was 29, I was just touring constantly. On Insane. Tour. That's mental, yeah. man. 
it was it's cool, but it it does take its toll toll on you. Oh, totally. Yeah, I, like I think it's obviously amazing, and like, we're lucky that we get to do it for a living. Yeah, but some yeah. people don't realize how how hard work it actually is. Yeah, yeah. And the physical toll and the mental toll and yeah. fatigue and everything that comes with it. I remember yeah. like being on tour and having a, a diary and I'd be counting down the days till I got home. Yeah. And I thought to myself, this is, this is getting too much for me. Like, I just think it really got to me for a while. Yeah. It was just like, oh, I just want to be home. I just, because when I moved to, to Cardiff, I have. I literally weren't there for a good few years. I sort of flitter backwards and forwards, but then I'd be coming back, and then I'd be on tour with my other band, and then that tour would stop, and then I'd be out with Speedhorn, <laughs> and then we'd be out with both bands. We'd be like flying in to do one show, flying back to the UK to do a show, flying back out to go start that tour again with Speedhorn. So it was just it was insane. I just didn't know where where I was. No. I, I can you imagine, know, man. So it was a bit crazy, but it, it was. I mean, it, it was. Thinking back now, I, I do think to myself, I wish I'd um, embraced it a bit more and not moaned too much <laughs> about uh, things. But yeah, like know. I guess appreciated what you had. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's... I think I think I think I appreciate it more now than what we do now, and that it's on such a smaller scale. <laughs> What it, but I, I really appreciate appreciate everything now. Where when I was young, you know, it got to a point where we were just doing all these big festivals and shows all the time that it just became the norm of yeah. what was happening. You know, so it was just you, you didn't really think about oh yeah, you're doing this massive festival in in Japan or whatever, and you'd be like oh okay, and it would just be like oh yeah, we just go going to Japan. It's amazing, it man. A big thing. It just became like the thing we were to be doing on a yearly basis, and it's it's quite silly, really. Where you got, I remember my dad going, "Just in, like, just enjoy it where you can." I was like, "What's he on about?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, well, yeah, he, he had a point, really. Especially, I didn't <laughs> realize. You, did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it could have been, you know, not the not the diss any what I class as like regular jobs because a lot of people who were in regular jobs a lot more secure than musicians, especially right now. Yeah. But, um, you know, you could have, you obviously worked, you worked your ass off touring, but yeah. the places you got to see, and I'm sure you met loads of cool people. And yeah, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit insane when you think about it. Like, um, Corey Taylor was on this um, James Acaster thing the other day. And Corey was asking James about, Oh, have you ever been on a tour bus? And James, like, oh, I've been on Raging Speed on this tour bus. And then next week, he's like, oh my God, I, I'm really good friends with them guys. It's just like, to me, that's insane to think that, that he even remembers who we are. Yeah, you know, exactly. Well, yeah. We haven't spoke to him for a long, for a while, you so know. What was, what was the story there? Did you tour with Slipknot or? Yeah, we did like, we did a European tour Whoa. with him on their, I think it was their second record just before it came out. And then, Wow. We were just doing like on. We were basically on a fe on festival circuits with them for probably a year and a half, <laughs> and then Corey would bring us out with Stone Sour and do some shows with them. And we did some stuff out in America with uh, what's the Joey's Bats at Murder Dolls. Murder Dolls, yeah. So we did some stuff oh, with wow. them out in the states. So it was quite cool because we got really friendly with them. So they they take us out quite a lot 
on different things, which was awesome. You know, like it's, yeah. it's, it's just a different world, that kind of, that mad sort of, especially Slipknot world. Back it, back then, was in, it was crazy, well, crazy it, times. It still is. I'd say they're, you know, they, they're up there with like probably one of the top 10 biggest metal yeah. bands or rock bands. In the world, Probably really. One of the biggest metal bands. Are, I'd say they're the biggest metal band now. Yeah. Of our generation, anyway. Oh, definitely. Obviously, yeah. you've got Metallica and stuff, but yeah. they, but they they're up there, man. They they headlining all the festivals and yeah, it's, it's bit, insane. It's a bit insane if you like just thinking that you've, I don't really think of, that's the thing with us is we never really thought about that kind of stuff. It'd be like, oh, we get a message, a phone call off our manager. Oh, you gone on tour with Slipknot? But oh, that's that's cool. It'd be like we wouldn't be sitting there high fiving each other, like because oh, we weren't really into that kind of music anyway. Right, we sort of come from that sort of DIY kind of punk rock kind of bands that we always thought, oh fucking hell, I can't, don't want to go on tour with them. Yeah, but we'll have to. And then, but the thing is, is you always, you, I've realised now, is the bands you never think you're ever going to get on with, you get on with really, really well. Because they're exactly, especially Slipknot, because they sort of come from the same background as what we all come from. Yeah. Like, come from nothing, <laughs> became like this big band. And I think that's how we all, we, we all got on really well, is they were just crazy. And we sort of bought into that as well, because yeah. they had so much money. They gave us money to do stupid stuff. And we'd be like, yeah, okay, we'll just do it. <laughs> and they were like, these guys are crazy. Like, they'll just do anything for like money. <laughs> you know, we would. Well, yeah. have, you got any funny, have you got any well, specific like, funny stories like, then about they'd, that? They'd like pissing glasses and say, drink this. And you'd be like, oh. all right, you just drink it. And just, so <laughs> we sort of came, they were like, they're just as mad as we are, you know, like up for anything. Yeah. And they, we just got on really, really well. The first time we met him, they were, they, they were a bit shitty with us. Really? And um, just because no one knew who they looked like. So That's we true, sort yeah. of rolled in to, and they were sound checking. And the clown just threw some stuff at us and told us to get out. And we were like, well, and let's get in that, that attitude of, oh, fuck them, like, who cares? Like, don't matter. Yeah. And then we did a few shows. We flew back home and we flew back out. And um, the tour manager came into our dressing room and said, oh, um, so I think it's Sean, the, the clown. Oh, I, think, to, I think it's Sean, yeah. yeah. I want you to, I want, um, he wants you to come up and, watches at the side of the stage and we were just like don't want to watch them and like he just started laughing and sort of walked out and we went up and watched like a, a song we we're like yes yeah, it's, it's all right like, it's not our kind of thing he sort of walked, walked <laughs> off i think Corey sort of got like heard from the grapevine like we'd done that and he thought that was amazing because <laughs> back then well even now everyone was just wanting like kissing his ass big time anyway, Corey. Yeah. And we just didn't really care about all of that. So I think that was the, the one good thing they loved about us is we weren't trying to be be their best friends. Yeah, you weren't like brown nosers and stuff definitely like that. Were, definitely yeah, exactly. were yeah. in the slightest. So I think that's why we why they like liked us, you know. It's it sort of came across like that anyway. So it was yeah, so when we hung out we were just hanging out. We weren't like, oh, it must be amazing being in slip We were just like, yeah, just Thank talking about silly things and having a good laugh. And it's, I mean, that's that's what bands want to do. They don't want to sit there with people kissing their ass every no, well, five 
Totally, you know? exactly, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you get it is like quite a bit. I'm sure I don't know. Your we dad gets it quite a bit. No, you know? He's probably like, had it a lot, yeah, yeah. That's the thing, is like even like you know, you it's one of them things you just don't want it all the time. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's nice for people to say nice things and if oh, they yeah, like, like the music and be complimentary, but, you know. Yeah. I only really want you to say that if that's what you think. Exactly. If you don't like this, I don't want you to pretend that you do. No. I'd rather you be real with us, you know. Yeah. I think that's the reason why we sort of get, we got on with, with Benji from from Skin Dread, because at first I said to him I didn't like Skin Dread. Really? And he, yeah, because we were on tour with him, and I was like, oh, I don't really like it. I've got to admit, I think, I think you're rubbish. And, he, <laughs> and uh, the drummer at the time, Ginger, he was like, oh, come come here, let's go and have a drink. And it was just that thing of, oh, this guy ain't trying to kiss our ass. Yeah, you're just he a just, straight talking Yeah, guy, he was just, that's amazing. And we became friends after that, you know. Brilliant. But it's, yeah, I think that's sort of, that's what we're all about really, is just not trying to be, I mean, we went on, we did some shows with Phil Alcelmo this last year. And instantly walked in the room and he's like, our singer is, is one of his heroes. And he in, our singer instantly started taking the mick out of him. Really? Yeah. And it was that thing. You could see him going, cheeky, that's, that's <laughs> well out of order. But then he sort of quite liked it because we weren't trying to be oh, Phil, Phil, I love you. I love you, Phil. Yeah. I love you, Phil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, we even asked him about that whole racist thing and all that sort of stuff. We just sort of asked him about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I was like, well, there's no point sort of... Yeah, shying away we, from it. Oh, my God, the amount, the backlash we got from doing them shows anyway, you know. I, because well, because people, people associated you with supporting a, an accused yeah. racist. Yeah, I, I think it was because he was he's an accused racist more than anything. Because I said to the boys, look, if we don't want to do it, it's fine. Like, don't worry. Yeah. But I, I'd, love to, I'd like to do it. Yeah, and everybody just came back going, "Nah, fuck him! Like, let's let's do it. I want to do it." And you know, you've got to, you don't you don't know what's been said or what's not been said at the end of the day. Exactly, you've got to take. I, I think you've got to take people on face value. And if he's really nice and he seemed really nice to other people of an yeah. ethnic group, you know, he seemed fine. So I haven't got any. I can't really tell say that he's a he's an asshole or anything like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, I remember skimming over something about it, but to be honest, I've never really looked into it. It's not some, I'm not a fan to be honest, so no, it's not the kind of thing I've really been that bothered about. Obviously, I if he has said things and people are 100% certain, maybe yeah. that's, not, that's not cool, obviously. No, but um, but it's that, yeah. it is, it's, it's a strange, it was a straight, so I, I, yeah, I, we sort of just asked about it. And he sort of did he admit to anything then or no he sort of it's sort of, it's a weird one he, he sort of did right but he blamed it on like just because he's on a lot of medication and stuff and oh, he, had, right. he had to do this thing he didn't want to he didn't want to be there he was drinking a lot and it all went a bit pear-shaped you know but like the thing is is you know we live in a totally different world to what them kind of people live in. Yeah, yeah. So I think he said something by, I think he said it in all, I don't know. I think he said, just said something. Yeah, and they just got, didn't want to be there. And someone, he said to, which is probably what happened, is someone was shouting stuff about dying back to him. 
trying to antagonize him and he just lost the plot and it all Mm. went to shit and that's what happened really Mm. that's what that's what he told me so you just got to take it from that sort of perspective yeah but he seemed lovely you know good it's just good band was it a good tour good crowd and i don't want to slack him off just in case right the band weren't the band were good okay he right. was really, he was great, you know, <laughs> he was great. You know, in my head, it's like, if you're going to play Pantera songs, you need to play them really well. Of course, yeah. The, the drummer wasn't very good, i got to admit, like, the drummer mm. wasn't, you know, where, especially, I mean, I, I like Pantera, but I'm not, like, the ma- a massive fan where the other boys are. Right. They were like, he's not playing that right, he's not doing this right. Mm. So, yeah, you know, but... It is what it is. You're never going to get that sound from what they had. No, nah, they do have a unique kind of vibe, don't they? And the way they yeah. play together. Like I've never really studied them in depth because no. I don't think it's my favorite kind of music. But yeah, I've heard a lot of it over the years. Yeah. And... We played with them in Japan. I think yeah. it was one of their last shows, and they were like they were they were amazing at, that night. Wow! It's just that that sort of swagger they've got, where you know. No other bands had had that sort of thing. Yeah, but they were good. They were there. They were good that night. But the, the other band, they were. They were. I mean, everybody who was there was there to watch Phil sing some Pantera songs. Really. Yeah. You know. So which that's, is that's, like, that's what people are there for. Yeah. Exactly. It's like people going to see uh, the old singers from Metallica. Uh, I, I made it. They're all going to see it and sing some of the, the Maiden songs, aren't they? Yeah. They're not going to see any anything else. <laughs> yeah, well, I bet that's, what, that's probably what people think about when they come and see our band. They just want to see my old man play some Motorhead songs. And they probably yeah, like that. They probably, the, that is, the drummer's not playing the songs right. <laughs> but the thing is, is like you're trying to be a di- like you're, you're a different, you're not trying to be yeah, we're trying to be a, our own band. No, yeah. yeah, you're not yeah. trying to be like Phil playing all Motorhead songs. You're like no. you're actually bringing new records out. You know. Yeah. Where I think with I don't know. I think it's different with a with a singer as well, especially you know, is they want to hear them songs. Yeah, that's know? true. Yeah, that's a good point actually. I think that's quite. I think it's different to. Yeah. Being a guitar. I you don't know. That, yeah, you want to hear that voice singing those songs. So they sound yeah. familiar. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But um, so talking about Raging Speed on again. Yeah. I find it difficult. But how would you describe the sound or the band's oh sound? Because it is quite. I had I had a good listen to like yeah. you on shuffle the other day when I went for a run. It was really good running music. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this this song's like quite punky. This song's like quite bluesy. Quite pantery. Yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, oh. and then at one point I was like, is this the same band? And I didn't bother checking. I was I was just running. Yeah. I was like, is it, I thought maybe it had gone on to the next band or something. Yeah, it's, I thought it was really interesting. But how how do you describe the sound? See if, if see if a listener's listened to this and they've never yeah. heard you s- sell the band. <laughs> I would sort of, I would say it's more. It's like Black Sabbath. Yeah, with a, with sort of more of a bit bit more of a punky sort of edge to it it's definitely it's definitely that sort of blues element uh but yeah it's definitely like a black sabbath mixed with sort of a black flag kind of element to it as well 
That's a, that's a good um, way of describing it, yeah. It's a wall of noise, really, wall of sound, I would, I would say it was. But yeah, like it's, it's all the bands we sort of listen to, they're all sort of 70s kind of based, sort of Sabbath, Zeppelin. Yeah. Kind of sort of very heavily influenced with blues, I would say. Yeah. Cream and all that, which is quite strange for like a band of our of our era because obviously there was when we first came out it was all grungy new metal and like we hated new metal yeah we never listened to that it was also in the van or in on the buses it was always like scorpions or like <laughs> you know like priest and all them sort of old older bands we never said um hendrix a lot nice to listen to but even still now when we when we when we tour it's all sort of like funk or something like that. We've never really we've never really sort of listened to much metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoothly <laughs> enough. We've ne- and it's quite strange when people go, oh, yeah, like they were like the metal sort of saviors at some point. And we're like, that's so funny because we never really sort of listened to much like heavy, heavy metal. Yeah. You know, I hate me we like me and Frank, the original we hate Slayer. Is it Just, really? Oh, yeah. Frank doesn't really like Metallica or anything like that. He's just wow. not into that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's almost like sort of like Sabbath kind of sort of vibe to it. It's like sleazy rock, you know. Yeah, it's groovy. That's what I, would, I would call it more like a rock band, but with shouty vocals more than anything. Because it's that rock and roll sort of, it's always got a, that rock and roll element what we've got. And even, even the people who have come in and out of the band have always been into that sort of, music you know there's no point bringing a bass player in he's going to play slap bass or something like that it just wouldn't work you know they've all got to be that sort of uh and have that attitude of what what we come from you know but yeah, yeah it's definitely yeah that's the only way i can really describe it really. yeah it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's, i just find it quite fascinating then that none of you really listened to metal yet you produced what people were classing as metal at yeah, the time, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and, there used um, to be a, there was a band um, in the like, late night, uh, mid to late nineties called Iron Monkey, and they were like, they were like, well, they were the, they influenced us a lot, but they were they were they're heavier than we are, which is they're just really low, like um, slower and stuff like that. But that's the sort of band where. When we started, we're like, we really want to sort of sound like that, sort of just nasty, horrible, <laughs> like noise. And that's how that's how we started. And obviously, through the years, we've just carved out our own kind of sound. It's you know, the interviews we're getting, we're getting asked now is sort of how do you describe yourself? And it's really hard because yeah. people say it's your own sound. No one else sounds like you guys. That's that's probably what's helped you, kind of last this long i guess because yeah. you're distinguishable from other bands yeah. and... but why do you want to sound like iron maiden or metallica yeah. you know yeah. there are bands out there that still do it and do really well out of doing it but you know like we didn't want to we didn't want to copy anybody that's we want it to be our own thing yeah you know? i mean i think there's like elements of um like motorhead vibe in there as well to be yeah. honest yeah definitely are um, i think so but it's all that sort of yeah all that sort of um, 70s, so even sort of into glam rock, really. Really? Like, so, yeah. Nice. It's all that sort of 
kind of even into 60s sort of um the who and stuff like that we're just all into that kind of the beatles and, yeah, yeah. M- most of all it's sort of like even in the in the van now it's all like 80s pop and stuff we don't really listen <laughs> now at all <laughs> yeah I, I know what you mean actually it's kind of at the moment obviously i'm not really playing so i guess i can i can listen to whatever but when i am playing quite frequently I don't really listen to a lot of heavy rock or metal no. kind of stuff because I'm out there playing it. So I kind of chill out with yeah. some more chilled music or yeah. like older You're stuff. out playing it and you're surrounded by it all the time. Yeah, and there's, there's, there's music on in between the bands, there's music on, it's obviously the support band and normally obviously a similar kind of music. Yeah. And then you might go out to a bar or a club and then there's rock, music blasting yeah like i love it when i'm in the mood for it yeah yeah and at the end of the day that's what i do and what's what but it's nice to have an alternative to reflect on <laughs> definitely i i i, th- I honestly think there's there's a lot of bands like metal bands and stuff out there they don't really they, they don't want to listen to heavy like the last thing i would want to do is play a bat play a, a tour um a show and then go back into a van or into a bus and listen to heavy, heavy music because you've just played it for an hour and a bit. Yeah. You know, you just want to calm down a little bit, I think. Yeah. From it all. Yeah. Um, I mean, like at home, I've got all, I've got like my CD, my record collection so vast um, of what I listen to, but it's half the time it's not, I never put on heavy music no. anymore. <laughs> no, I think we just get we're just getting old. Maybe that's what it that's, is. That's probably what it is. <laughs> I think that's what it is, mate. So um, you've mentioned a few bands that you've toured with. Have you got a particular favourite or a favourite few bands you've toured with? I definitely say that, like the one band which sort of changed our outlook on on things was was Biohazard. They were the first sort of big. Back when we toured with them, they were still quite a big band, playing to like two and a half, three thousand people a night in Europe. And then we we did like that for, I think, six weeks in Europe into Whoa. UK, which was that sort of changed. That was the first time I thought I'm out with a with a proper band, which is like that sort of rock, um, rock star sort of attitude. Kind of didn't care about anything. If you broke something, it would be paid you know that kind of sort of crazy like weird stuff going on on the bus girls everywhere really mental things happening and it was just like oh this is insane like i've never been anywhere near this sort of stuff before it was just nuts just insane (laughs) insane (laughs) like just yeah i just just can't describe it because it was so that was the bit that was like the ma- first major tour we've been on. So we'd only been touring around the UK and like, we'd get and then it was like we're on this bus, our own bus, like we're off to Europe with biohazard and we we're like, Oh sh- this is amazing and then it just 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 insane. Mental. <laughs> just you know, getting sort of arrested and all like it's just nuts. It was well, just Well they they were getting arrested or you were like well there was because even though we're on these sort of tour buses and stuff, we still didn't have any 
much money. Yeah. You know, like the label was paying for that stuff, but we didn't have much money to eat or anything like that at that point. Mm. So, like, you know, we would have to steal stuff to eat. <laughs> so it's just like we remember us all going into this. Oh my god. Um, service services, obviously drunk and doing other things, and we stopped and. We, our base, we all went into this service station and I just seen this guy looking at us and I was like, oh, fuck, he knows what we're up to. And he closed the door so we couldn't get out. And we're just there going, oh, fuck, well, how are we going to get out? He's like, you're stealing stuff. And we're like, we're not, we're not, we're not stealing. Like, obviously had money going, come up, we're not. And the next minute, Billy from Biohazard comes running in, running to the doors with a knife, honestly, like, like this, prizing the doors open, going, come on, boys, hurry up. We all ran off and got on our buses and sort of drove off. <laughs> and then um, we looked back and our manager, because our manager used to come out on tour. Right. Then we had a manager and a tour manager. And um, he was like, oh, fuck, there's police behind us. And I was like, oh, they ain't going to be for us. And he's like, no, there's more police. There's, and it ended up being like, probably, honest to God, 10 cop cars behind both buses. I'm driving down this motorway and um, our tour manager at the time was like, right, whoever does drugs, get downstairs now. And I was like, what, what's going on? And I went downstairs and literally every, everyone was just looked like white because he'd had so much coke on it. Oh my <laughs> he was God. like, we need to get rid of it. So everyone sort of like, I was going, what's, what's going on? <sighs> pulled over <gasps> stuff. I think we got, I don't know, we didn't get arrested that night, but it was... I think Biohazard sorted it out, so we didn't have to pay any money. <laughs> but yeah, like we got arrested in Spain, just had to spend like five days in Spain in the Spanish. What? So, yeah. What? That's insane. Yeah, with Biohazard and with um, Amen. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's they, a cool band. Yeah. So Shannon, who now plays in Godsmack. Right. Like, we went, we went, we were on, because we come from the tour Biohazard for six weeks and straight out with Amen for another, I think it was like six or seven weeks. So anyway, we haven't been home. We, we found this little English bar in, in, I can't even remember where it was in Spain. And we were in this bar and the guys in bar and uh, Amen were saying, oh, we're going back to our bus. We want to chill out. And Shannon was, Shannon's quite I wouldn't say an alcoholic, but he's, he likes to drink. Right. I'm, I'm going to stay with you guys. And um, one of the boys said, just keep an eye on him because he's, he's really, he's just crazy when he gets drunk. Okay. So as they walked out, Shannon just came over this big sort of tray, just shots going, come on boys. This, and it's got more and more <laughs> crazy. And I said, I'm going to go and get some food. And I came back down the street and it was just carnage. I like can't, Singer was going up the road on the back of this motorbike. This guy, like, going, get off, get off. Our, our manager was just turning around, being sick everywhere. <laughs> there was a fight going down, like, and I just seen one of the guys getting kicked out of the bar. I was like, what's going on? So it just sort of escalated into that. I was going to another bar. I was getting kicked out of that bar, and I said, right, I'm going back to the, the bus. Um, and me and the guitarist went back, and we just sort of woke up with this police dog in our face on our butt like in my bunk wow. what's going on get off and we we got put in 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 the cells for for just fighting then basically four or five well it was just it was like 
um, not fighting. It was more um, vandalism. Oh right. Which I didn't really know anything about because we got to the to the um, the cells. We were put in different cells. They're all separate. And we were, and the next day we were sort of woke up. And I was like, who did who did who did it then? And no one could remember. <laughs> so wow. we were going. I don't know. Don't know what we've got to do. So it ended up our manager had to like pay a thousand euros, thousand euros each, which was okay. like nine of us, nine or ten of us wow. to get out. But we were there for five, four or five days, and they threatened us with proper jail sentences. So our, our manager's like, right, let's just get out of here. This is getting a bit too, a bit too much. But in a cool way, we got loads of press out of, out of yeah, that. Yeah, I bet, actually. So, but yeah, it's just, we were just young and just stupid, I think. But then we just thought, well, you know, we thought we were rock stars back then. So we were just yeah, you were. throwing tables out a window. It's like <laughs> oh, right, yeah. five-story window. Just stupid. So we'd just do it because it's like, yeah, this is... I remember our manager just crying, saying like, "You can't handle, you can't, can't do this anymore. You, you know, literally killing me." <laughs> so I was going to say that particular manager. Then was he the one who was with you since the start? Or yeah, yeah, so he put yeah. up a lot of shit. Yeah, and like, yeah, like setting fire to tour buses, and you know, like we just did. We sort of we did it. We did everything we possibly could <laughs> in them in them five years of just. I think that's. I mean, to be fair, it was our own fault why we got dropped by our label because they just couldn't handle us. Because that was why was it mainly? I think so because we were just we were just out of control. You know, yeah. We just, just loved to have a party and do every do stuff like. I mean, that whole table throwing out a window incident. That that was when we were on tour with Slipknot. Really? And it just, yeah, because it was like just carnage so we're like, oh. and it was it was me and the bass player we were, got, we were really drunk in the hotel room and I said oh what about throwing the table out the window and he was like yeah let's do it and I was like what and it was just like <laughs> and I was like oh no you know just but you know it is what it was back I'm sure yeah. other people have done it but yeah there was a point when I, when I, you just think to yourself, you just need to calm down a bit and just, <laughs> just not be an idiot anymore. Mental. Try to, but you're still like that a bit now. But you, you're a good boy yeah. whenever you're with us. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like <laughs> that's the thing I always say is we're all quite um, when we're all separate from each other, we're all quite sort of um, well behaved and normal people. But there's something about when we all get together. Yeah. So, so this, I mean, it's de it's definitely has changed in the last two years, two or three years. It's definitely changed when we've said, look, we need to just treat it more as a profession and not just as going out. Because obviously, we don't see each other anymore. It's like a, a get together. Yeah, of course. But it used, but especially when we first got back together. But now it's we definitely treat it a bit more. Well, we have to treat it with yeah a bit more sort of respect. Because you know, you never know how, and especially now our singer is not well in yeah. an illness. We just we need to just enjoy it because you never know when it will end. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you don't want to end up in a Spanish jail again, do you? No, well, I mean, like we have No, well, I mean, it's bit, especially when we got back together because by that point, I'd start. I'd work, I've been working in the music industry, so it was that thing of don't do that because that will come back to haunt me in 
two weeks down the line when I'm out with another band tour managing them. Yeah. I don't want them to think that I'm an idiot. Like I've got to be more yeah. professional, you know, where our singer has only been in Raging Speed Hall and a few other bands. So he's like, no, this is what we're all about. And I'm like, no, like don't do that. And it was sort of, I felt like I was babysitting people a lot I was going to say, you feel like a father, like a father to him. Yeah. In a Especially way. when we first started back. So I start. I was tour managing the band as well. Right. And doing everything else. So it was that thing of, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Like, you can do that, but don't do it here. Do yeah. it somewhere else, you know? Because obviously when you work in the, in the, in the industry, you don't want to tarnish your name. Well, of course. Yeah. You need to, you need to get work. Well, I was actually going to ask about that. Um, Cause you've, You've obviously toured most of your life in the band, but then you've also yeah. spent many years doing various various other jobs, like you mentioned, tour managing. Yeah, you, you do a bit of driving. You've, I guess, you've done merch and drum teching. Yeah, like how does it differ than when you're in in the band itself? Is is it a completely different experience? It's um, I I sort of get the same buzz from it, really, especially when you go out with a band who you really like as people yeah. um, and you see the band growing and you see it, you see them developing as musicians, especially now as well as I just, you know, a lot of younger bands, they, they treat it so much like a business from day zero, Yeah, you know, and in, you know, I wish I, I wish I'd done that um, in Spiegel and, you know, I, t- I took a lot away from being on tour with them bands when Speed One got back together, say right. no, we've got to do it this way, we've got to have to do it this way. Yeah, and I, I get I get exactly the same buzz and probably a bit more, especially when you sort of, you know, when they're playing in front of a lot of people, you can see it going down really well and you say, Oh, that's amazing. You know, yeah. to me it's it's so good. I get sort of choked up more seeing bands like that. And I pro- it's probably because I hadn't done it for so long and I'd sort of I could see like how I remember how that felt. Yeah, we started doing like these big shows. It's oh, this is amazing. It just it feels really good, and it especially when you're tour managing, it feels really nice that you're sort of not making that happen, but looking after the band and making sure they're okay. And yeah. I really, I really, really like it. To be fair, um, but with the driving thing, it's the same sort of thing because I so even with driving, I can never just drive. I always try and do other things to help the band. Yeah, yeah know, of course. You know, bands haven't got a lot of money nowadays like they used to have. And it's, it's nice to help. And, you know, I've got a lot of experience. So it's nice to just try and help. Yeah, man. As much as I can, really. But yeah, I, I love, I love sort of going on. To, not, not as much now, but I used, to, I used to love going on tour. But now I've got a young daughter. I quite yeah. like being at home to see her growing up. In, of course like that you know but if band i've never sort of go back to touring with bands i don't really know anymore because it's it's quite sort of hard work because you go on tour you get to know a band for two and a half weeks or three weeks a bit longer get really good friends with them and then it stops yeah (laughs) and then you start with another band where you don't know and you have to sort of go through that whole routine of you know and half the time it's (laughs) being a tour manager or a driver you end up you, like you end up knowing their whole life. You know, it's quite sort of grueling in a weird way. It's like, oh yeah, you know, you just get to know every, ins and outs of everybody. 
Yeah, it's a really intimate, isn't it? It can be a really intimate situation just being stuck on a bus or a van for hours and hours on end. Yeah, it really is. Like, I mean, the the most the the one band I toured with a lot was Funeral for a Friend, and like, you know, that was great because it became a thing of that's the only band I really ever toured with. Nice. But it was great, but then it was really bad at the same time because I was turning down really good work to keep with them. Um, which in a weird way I wish I'd never I wish I'd sort of spread myself out a little bit more because the bands now what have asked me to go on tour manage do really well yeah. <laughs> you're just like why did I not do it but it's sort of that's the thing with me is I get really if someone's putting their trust in me oh well, yeah you know and you know being on tour with them a lot I think yeah, I like staying with that kind of that group people because I just know everybody then and it's not yeah you don't have to get over that Oh, meet awkward kind of no. sussing everyone out stage and yeah, yeah, and them sussing you out and yeah, yeah. yeah. I find it quite, I find it quite hard, especially if I'm just out. Well, not just out, but if I'm out tour man, um, driving or uh, doing merch or something. Especially if you get a tour manager who's like an asshole kind of tour manager, I just yeah. cannot, I just can't get along with it because. I hate saying it, but I'm just like, look, I've done this before. You don't have to tell, talk to me like that. Just, yeah. just leave me to it. If I'm doing something wrong, come and tell me. But it's that sort of, I went on tour with the professionals and their tour manager just completely rubbed me up the wrong way. Because, really? you know, yeah, I mean, he was a nice guy, but it was like, uh, when I go on an aeroplane, I turn left. And I was like, what does, and I didn't really know what he meant. I was like, what does that mean? And I sort of asked the professional's tour manager, uh, manager and he said, oh, he means he's going into first class. He never goes into economy class. And I was like, all right. And he just kept on going on and on about like how cool he was. And I just thought, oh, it's just, it's not, the, it's Why? not the person for me, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you do get it. I don't think, I don't know if you've ever come across anyone like that, but it is. Uh, there's been a few I won't mention any names, but there's been a few support tours where, yeah, like the first couple of shows, we felt like either we had one stage manager once that came across as a complete arsehole from day one. Yeah. And and you know what we're like, we know what we're doing. We're really efficient. Yeah. More than any anyone really, or exactly. just as much as anyone. And like we were, you know, whatever we were doing was still not good enough for him. Or, yeah, and um, I think it's a weird thing with tour managers. They've got a, like you said, you've done it. You don't have to yeah. be an asshole to no. get things done properly. You can still be polite and courteous and and just be friendly. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, there's been a couple, but like we've been alright. Yeah, I think people, and you're not pushing, you know, like trying to put your authority on things all the time is things work a lot easier if like in my head is if when you're on tour you're you're in a big family so just you know just work together it's just yeah. the best way to do things you know because you never know when that support but if something goes wrong with some equipment you've got you know and go oh, that support band's got that i wonder if they'll lend it let's just go and ask them yeah. if you're a complete dick to them you go oh, can i use that and they go no way, like, go away. Like, you're not using anything. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, it works in both both sort of ways, I think, as a tour manager. You've just got to, in my head, is the best way to do it is just be nice and polite to everybody. Yeah, totally. And, uh, 
you know, what's the point of being, I don't see the point of being rude or a dick to people. <laughs> I'm no, not that no. kind of person. So exactly, it's like, yeah. you know, you don't, I hate rubbing people up. And sometimes probably I have done in the past where you've been really, you've been stressed and like a, a band will come and ask you this most stupidest question in the world. And you yeah. basically go, oh, just look, come on, like, use your, use your, use your own head. You don't have to come and ask me stupid stuff like no, that. that's all right that's not yeah that's not so bad yeah uh, but yeah nice. yes yeah it's what it is what it is but i mean people like you and people like people like like we've been doing it for so long as we know how things work yeah you know we don't have to be told so yeah exactly yeah that's right that's why i was quite shocked that one time it was like you know we were rel- relatively established anyway yeah yeah and it's just like cool. treating us like little kids yeah. remember we did a show with testament and they um they had they they gaffer taped the stage of where we could stand and where we couldn't stand really and i thought that was really the amount of bands we've, we've played with that's never happened and i was like what, what do you mean like, don't touch my drum kit i was like well, I, I don't want i'm not even gonna go near, near yeah. drum kit. <laughs> i don't really care like yeah. just, you, you know, know you know most bands know uh, you've got your own gear don't touch their gear that's yeah. kind of standard isn't it but, yeah and then we'll the, get it off the stage as soon as possible yeah the, the one band who we went on tour with a few years ago like skin dread they were so good with with us like, they'd take all their all their backline off every night really before, and let us have the whole stage and i thought that was a I mean, I never expect that as no. a support band. You that's know? amazing. You know, yeah, yeah. No, we'll get you. We'll take the drum kit off, so you've got enough. For it. And I was like, that's, that's so lovely. Wow. But then they they were saying we remember what that, that, all that was like, and that's that's the thing I, I think sometimes with bands is they forget sort of where they come yeah. from, um, and they, you know, when they get big, they think they're the best. And yeah, you know, I always think is you should always remember where you come from and just be trying to help people out and not be a, a dick <laughs> yeah well, that's that's amazing yeah. man great yeah. advice for anyone it is definitely and, uh, yeah yeah man. so uh, talk about the other thing you do you've got like a van hire company if you yeah. want to give that a little plug here for anyone yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm morrison tours yeah yeah it's been going for, i think we've been i've been going now for t- 12 years i think started, long? Yeah. wow yeah, well, I started out with just a small little, I think I can, you know, like a band like you guys used to have like them LDV bands. Yeah, yeah. And just thought, I'll try it, because I never knew if it would go go well. And it's sort of just gone from there. And it was expanding, and it was doing well, and then COVID hit, and then <laughs> it's not doing so well now. Oh, no, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been great. I mean, the amount of tours and stuff I've done, through that and the people I've met have been awesome. It's nice because I think I'm probably one of the only people in South Wales doing it at the minute. Yeah. So I get quite a lot of business. But um, yeah, it was all expanding, doing well. And then this happens. So I'm just sort of, it's a bit sort of Hmm. hard at the minute, but I'm sure it will all pick up sort of. It was a shame because it was just starting to pick up again. And then we got locked down and it's like, oh, I know, I know, no. it's a nightmare, isn't it? But um, but um, it's just it's hard in in every aspect of the way because obviously Speedon's got a record coming out. We had all these talk festivals planned, 
the vans were doing really well and then it all sort of just stopped so and I'm sure it's the same with you you're just sitting at home now going all right so what are we supposed to do yeah I guess <laughs> you, you know? have to try and be a little bit creative with the uh, like obviously we've got a record coming out as well we'll talk about yeah, yours in yeah. a minute um you can't promote it in the traditional manner of touring no which is what were you were you planning to tour the album release and stuff yeah we were but i think it's really strange because we're talking to our agent and our manager and we're not actually gonna head do a headline tour now till set this time next year yeah because we're just so worried that we're gonna um announce it in, as next year in may or june and then this is all still happening yeah. and it gets you know pushed back and pushed back where i think if we say september next year yeah hope you know, the best. and it's these and it's these band supporters blah, blah, like at least it's got a good chance of actually happening yeah you know the last thing i want is to be cancelling and all and like because obviously we've all got families and luckily we all work for ourselves but you know it's good to have blocks of where we actually know what, what we're doing of course as a band um i'm sure it's the same sort of with you guys now i don't don't really know kind how of. you guys work but it's nice sort of i mean obviously if something comes in which is really good it'll be like oh shit we've got off of that let's do it but yeah. um I mean, it's so hard because everybody sort of they can't the sort of all the festivals are moving their um their lineup till next year and all that stuff so it's just i think i'm fine we're not really finding it hard but it is harder to get on festivals and stuff definitely yeah 100 percent because um, you've got a whole year's worth of bands that have been yeah. pre-booked for next year give yeah. or take a few maybe people are saying oh yeah but not every lineup's going to be full bands are going to drop off because they've got touring commitments but there's going to be a million bands waiting on that one yeah. band saying no to jump onto that onto that bill but um but we'll just we'll just have to wait wait and yeah. see we've got some more festivals to announce for europe uh nice. and some more like support slots in the uk but again it's, we're still waiting to allow to announce them because everybody's sort of saying oh, are they going to happen then are they not going to happen then well no one knows really and i think i think you have to at least announce these shows and I think people understand if they don't go ahead because of the COVID thing, I think it's kind of expected. Um, but yeah, they might, they might be that kind of part of the audience that don't buy the tickets earlier on. Exactly. They, they might be waiting closer to the date. So I, I don't think advanced ticket sales are going to be as high as no. they usually are. I think. Um, I don't, yeah. But you know, people keep on going on about our, can't uh, this is it's like it's gonna last for a long time but i can't imagine i can't sorry but i can't see the government letting it carry on for so long like you know all these festivals and tours and you know a lot of people cut fly in from different countries yeah you know the amount of money they make from the economy that all these people all these major festivals will be sort of pushing the government now to say right what's going on yeah we can't we can't live we can't what you know because if, if a lot of these festivals especially like Glastonbury and download and all that they won't be able to even though people think they make a lot of money from them they won't be able to keep on saying oh we'll leave it till next year we'll leave it to next year no they they rely mm -hmm. on the 
the kind of turnover every year, yeah. I guess. To, and I suppose, as, as well as these festivals, they have to pay out a percentage to the band, like a 50 guarantee anyway. Yeah. So, you know, that's probably why a lot of these bands who are playing, supposed to play this year, are playing next year, because they've already paid their guarantee. Yeah. So, you know, they're not just going to let millions of pounds just go like flitter off into the, into the sunset, are they? No, exactly. You know? I'm sure it's the same with you, with you like, even the festivals we've played, we've supposed to play this year, we've, we've already had the guarantee. So they're, you? <laughs> basically they're having to say, yeah, <laughs> we have to have you on next year. Yeah, yeah. You know, but in a weird way, it's working out well for us because it's made, it's, means that we're going to have a busy sort of festival season. Well, hopefully. Same with, yeah, same with you guys as, yeah. hopefully as well. But This year was meant to be our busiest. Chill. Yeah, yeah, just, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's, it's nice. heartbreaking i'm not used to, i'm not i'm not used to just not playing that's the that's the thing yeah and do you have anywhere in the, in the house or have you got an electric kit or yeah i've, I've got like a built-in sort of room downstairs nice but um it's really cool around here no one really sort of bothers bothers us to i've never had a complaint yet i had my i've actually got my real drum kit set up now nice nice i had a shot i had a go on it the other day when my wife was up in the office and i said could you hear it she said oh no not not really and god for that oh wow underground kind of thing sort of it's like a veranda and then it's built under the veranda so it's quite sort of under the under the house so you can't really hear it i think that's brilliant the doors go out onto the garden so i think that's the only thing what makes it sort of mm. not soundproof but it's got double glazing doors and stuff but i've never i've never really had a had a complaint we had to do like a um lockdown video yeah so i sort of especially you know like you've got that facebook page around where we live yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I had to put a thing up saying, oh, I'm really sorry if you hear drums playing, but it's me making this music video thing. And everyone's like, oh, look, in the, on the street. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> so I, didn't quite- see, I didn't see that one, actually. I didn't see that. <laughs> so everyone thinks, like, I'm this big rock star now, and, like, they're chuffed at, you know. Yeah. But it's really funny, because, oh, what band you into? Oh, so I'd say, oh, and they go on about Rolling Stones or something, like, because they're all quite old, around where I live, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? but yeah it's really cool no really sort of tells me off or anything so that's, that's cool. awesome i'd love yeah. to be able to have an acoustic kit set up man that'd be the yeah dream. i don't think i can quite get away with it but we'll see. You've, got, got, you've got a place in have you got a place in your in your house i've got i've got like a, a little outdoor shed it's not yeah. soundproof or anything yeah, like insulated, so it's nice and dry. I've got an electric kit in there at the moment. Yeah. I don't think I could get away with a, a real one. Yeah, I could try it one day, but I just think I'm just pretty certain it'd be too loud. I think that's the thing around where I live is everyone's sort of deaf. Quite, ah. quite, yeah. <laughs> quite the, the guy next door, like he's not even that old. He's probably in his fifties, and you'll talk to him, and he just doesn't. He's like, I can't hear you. I wow. think he wants. I don't know what he's done for his for his job, but he just can't hear nothing. Yeah. So it's it's quite it's quite nice, you know. But to be honest with you, they shout more than they're noisier than what I am. So yeah, sort of quite sort of relaxed about the whole the whole thing. Never had any complaints. I had the guitar up the other day playing it really loud, and it just 
no one cares. Amazing. Which is really nice. Yeah. You know? oh, you've struck gold there then because yeah, yeah. for a musician, yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah. We've got quite, I've got quite a lot of people who play actually is, um, is it, uh, is it Henry F Funeral Shoes? They live down the street from me. Do they? Well, right. Right. Uh, yeah. There's a guy up the street who's like, he plays for it. It's really big. It's really famous. Um, French singer songwriter really in France so he's you never really see him he sort of flies in and out constantly you've got you because there's quite yeah. a lot of <laughs> there's, there's a couple of guys from who play with um uh Van Morrison he they live up like up the road like right. played with him for years yeah I didn't know anything about it till a guy came to the house to do some work and he asked oh I got a lot of stuff up but I am in a band He's like, oh, the two guys from who uh, play Van Morrison live just up the road from here. Like, what? <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> and they've played with him for years. So impressive. Yeah. So it's quite a musical sort of Village. town, really. No, that's quite cool because I've always felt I've I've obviously always known about you, and I do know Henry's Funeral Shoe. Yeah. Well, I played one show with him a few years ago. Yeah. And I see. I think it's, it's drummer Ben. I see him about. Every now and again, yeah. I say hello, but you know, I don't really yeah. know him well. But um, it's really funny because, like, they played. I was on tour with um, Groundhogs, and they toured. They were doing a few shows, and they came in. Oh, you Welsh? Where'd you come from? And they said, and I was like, Oh, you live in the same village as I do. They were like, what? <laughs> really strange because obviously yeah. they're not used to meeting people who come from the same town. As no, they definitely not. I think they've they've obviously been they've been together a long time, and yeah, yeah. I think they've. They're locally known as like the little rock blues rock group, and yeah, like they yeah. do do really well, and they play festivals yeah, and they tour, yeah. and they've got loads of great albums and stuff. So I say it always like makes me laugh when someone puts some something up on there, and I was like, do they not know that Dane lives in this thing in this in this? Uh, I, know, I, I I I tagged you in the other day, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, I've seen I that like, the other day because you were on. I think it was a few days after you were played on the Radio One Rock Show. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, people need to know about you because that's a big deal. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, whatever. It was, it was cool. insane. The, like the other week, last week, our uh, PR guy messaged me going, oh, um, can you send me over the singles? Oh, well, oh, Marianne Holt wants to play it on primetime and six music. I was like, what? That's, yeah, that's I, amazing. I was like, oh, awesome. So I sort of tagged her in it because she used to play us a lot on Radio Rock Show years ah, ago. Ah, right. And, um, so it was, like, it was like listen to a show and it's all like hip hop, like house music. And then she's like, oh, this is Raging Spewhorn. It was like, I was blasting out. And I was like, that's so funny to think that we're in, I think it prints then us than someone else. And it was just like, that's amazing. I love shows like that, man. I think that's what's yeah. good about Radio 6. I think they play. Yeah. Those and that's cool. the good thing. I don't know how we've managed to do that, but that, we've always managed to sort of hit sort of like that kind of weird prime time sort of. Well, then people, you know, like playing with Graham Coxon from Blair was like with speed on. I never thought that would ever happen in yeah. my life, but you know, Fantastic. it did. And, uh, it's, yeah, somehow we we managed to get to do them sort of things. We did like a sanitary towel advert a couple of years ago, <laughs> and it was like it was played in like um, the cinemas. You know, like how you get yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it was like played in that. Wow. <laughs> like a couple of months and stuff like that. So I didn't know that. Which is quite funny. Our Ben, our old agent, 
you know, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to message me one day going, oh, this, I can't remember the name of the sanitary tower. It's the, it's the biggest, biggest brand. They want, want to come and do this um, advert with you guys. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Sort of didn't think anything about it. Oh, yeah, it's going to be on your last show in London. So they're all going to come down with like this film crew. And so I was like, oh, cool. Totally forgot to tell anyone else in the band. <laughs> at that point so obviously I was like I was managing the band then and our singer was like why is this massive truck here and I was like oh we've got to do this advert today and they were like what <laughs> it's, like, you know, it's for this sanitary towel advert it's going to be played in the Odeon and all this stuff and it sort of it just happened and I don't still to this day I don't know how that came about no you know but like That's I remember Ben ringing me laughing going you'll never guess what <laughs> That's want, insane. So we, but that's the thing. We always say yes to stuff because you know that's the other people hearing your your band. But it's quite funny getting messages from people going, "I've just seen you at the cinema <laughs> on a big screen." <laughs> Did you ever get to see it yourself? Did you ever get? No, to nah, no, that's a shame. no. Gutted, but yeah, it's quite funny. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. yeah. Fair play. So let's yeah. talk about the, the new album. It's called Hard to Kill. Yes. It's available October 23rd. And people can pre-order it. Yep. Is it signed copies and bundles and things? Yeah, we've got signed copies. Uh, it's not, we haven't really done bundles this time because okay. we did our last one on, um, on, on Pledge. It just seemed to be so much of a nightmare. They've just like just sorted everything out, especially now we're doing it all ourselves. It's yeah. our own label. kind of DIY now, right? We yeah, I mean we're going. It, it's getting sold through Cargo Records, um, so they they sort they're dealing with the the shipments of stuff. Oh, that's cool. Um, we're selling like merchant like the the, the album sort of um, t-shirts and hoodies and stuff on our on our own Bandcamp page to try right. and sort of. Because we've had, a, we just want it. I don't know. I just find it that's easy, the easiest way to do it. And we get, especially with the merchandise, the money instantly comes into our bank account. Which sort of, as a as your own record label, you need you keep you need that sort of money coming in to pay for videos and yeah, exactly all that sort of stuff. So, but yeah, so we've got signed CDs. Signed. I think we've, I don't know if we've sold out of the vinyl signed vinyls now oh, wow. sold out on the first like hour of the like when we first put them up they sold out instantly put more up, sold out again put some more up i think it's like this is the third or fourth time we've had to put more up wow. so yeah it's going it's it's going really good to be fair um on our own label as well which i think is we were looking around and we were get we got a few offers and stuff but then we sort of looked at how much you were getting to would we make that back? How quickly would that make us make it back? And I think we've made that we've made that back already. On already, Priest, that's amazing. Yeah, so it was just it was just a no no. I mean, there was a there was a point where we were close to doing it until we got a manager in, and he said, "No, <laughs> you're not signing that. Yeah, we'll do it our own way." And I like I quite like doing it ourselves. You know, no compromises, and we can just do what we really want to do. So yeah, so it's on it's on cargo, and it's you can get it from Amazon and Usual. HMV and all that, all the same sort of outlets as anybody else. 
yeah. How did you? What was the process in writing and recording? It? When did you do that? Was that pre-lockdown? Um, yeah, um, it was a bit of a hard one because we started writing, then Frank got ill, so we had to sort of stop. And then by the time we started writing again, it was just me, Frank, and John who were in the band, really. So um, and John doesn't really write anything, really. Right. So it was me and me and Frank who sort of written the first uh, two or three songs. And then when we got Andy and Dave in, we all just, we just, because they, them guys live in Stoke. Obviously I live here and Frank still lives in Corby. So the meeting up point was uh, Birmingham. So we just meet there every weekend. and just started writing there, but we're quite sort of, we're quite quick at writing songs. We never go in with any, anything. Right. But we sort of have riffs, but we don't sit there on a the computer going, oh, what do you reckon to this? riff with a drum beat behind we're not that kind of band nah. we go into a room and we go right what have you got right let's try Amazing. that you know awesome. and it's that just that's just the way we've always worked we've never worked like all separately i don't think it works for speed on in that in that way yeah um, a, lot of, a lot of people tell me how they send the riff via logic and then they put their drum yeah. kit into superior drummer and yeah record something and send it back I've yeah. never really done that either. No, but, um, it's a bit hard for us to do that as well because we all play, we all play guitar yeah. in the band. There's two drummers in the band, huh. so it's like we all sort of write with each other. You know, with Frank is Frank especially. He's like, you know, he's so musically minded that right. you know he doesn't like something. He'll be like, nope, do this, that, that, and he, it's very quick as well. You know, we're like right, this bit goes there, that bit goes there counting and like it's you know it's like that quick and it's quite you know with andy not not in a bad way i think he found it a bit hard at first even now like we had a practice the other day we came up with a song you know it's like right let's do it right it goes there 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 right let's let's go through the song and andy's like what's the riff again and it's you know and it's wow. like, no, come on it's just that that's the way we've always is always done it i think doing it in another i mean we do send each other riffs but you know, it's so funny because like you'll send someone a riff and you think, oh, that's a wicked riff and no one ever replies. They'll just, <laughs> you'll see that people have seen it and no one ever replies to each other's riff. It's so annoying. And it's really, I'm like, oh, this is a well good riff. Like we're just thinking that no one just, everyone just sees it. And then, ah, is it good? Is it not? You know. Was that, it's, not just when, it's, it's not just when you send the riffs. Well, it's like <laughs> everybody. It's so funny. It's, yeah. Yeah, it usually is. Like, oh, what do you reckon to this? Like, Rubbish, Gordon. <laughs> I, think, I think there's always this thing about there's always a joke about when the, when the drummer tries to write a song. Yeah, no one takes them seriously. No, uh, some of the I greatest it, songwriters have been drummers. Yeah, I tell you what, it's been especially in the back in the day, I felt so sort of inadequate to be in, in this in speed, especially as the drummer because Frank is like so good. Yeah, amazing drummer, and I was like, oh, fucking, like, I hated it, you know. I just didn't like it. And I think I was so green where Frank had recorded like a couple of albums before even Spearwon. So like, you know, when I went in and like, I got to play to a click track and all this stuff, I was like, oh, fucking like, what's this? Yeah. And I remember getting told, especially at the first sort of stuff we recorded in London, I was like, oh, go to the pub and come back and we'll try it again. I came back and Frank was playing the drums, mm. but the stuff they recorded was 
like it was it sounded like an industrial band and it got it got put on like metal hammer and people would say to me oh were you on that i'm like now we're in the band then (laughs) it sounds so mad (laughs) i was like yes it sounded crap but it made me like go back and sort of properly get my arse in gear and stop Mm. mucking around you know yeah like me and the bass player used to play to just go down to rehearsals practice together the, the whole sort of set and songs that's good so we just knew that we were we were tight you were tight yeah and then, yeah and then we went and started going in the studio it was it was better you know yeah but i think it's just that thing is especially when you've been in a in a band with people who you looked up to and now you're in a band with them it's quite sort of daunting and they were so even though they were our age they've been around for a lot longer they taught they've been on tours and played shows in london back then was cool so, yeah you know, it's like fuck these guys know what they're doing i don't know nothing what i don't know what i'm doing and i just felt really sort of like all the eyes were on me and it was horrible but mm. now it's you're right now you know, it's really cool because the last two albums we we were going with russ russell so it's just usually me and the me and the bass player at first we just go in and just put everything down and nice. then the other guys come on come in and layer stuff Awesome. Which is the best, the best sort of, I like it that way where it's, there's not everybody's there, you know, all at once. Cause I think sometimes too many cooks can spoil it. Yeah. It's know? interesting. You say that because the album we just recorded, it was just me and Todd when I did yeah. the drums and none of the other band were there, but that was mainly due to the lockdown. But um, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. It was weird not getting feedback about like the parts and the fills yeah. and stuff, but no, I was happy with it. Yeah. Well, mm. with, with, with Russ, he's very, uh, like, critical. Right. <laughs> Especially with the drums, you know. It's yeah. Like, and it's really weird with Speedwell as well, because we, sort of, we we're not around each other all the time. We have, like, we, have, we sort of have block times where we rehearse, so the drums are never really right, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, I could do that bit differently. So then I go into the studio to record with Russ. He was like, oh, what about this? But putting that drum pattern there, come on, that bit can be better than that, you know. Oh, and cool. sort of, you get, and the thing is for us is, you know, we trust him a hundred. He's more like a, a seventh member of Speedhorn, so wow. we trust him a lot. With we, we trust everything he's he sort He's a mad scientist, you know. He's like the best person. I think he's the only person who really sort of. It's really nice when you meet somebody who understands. What speed on it's, 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 speed, it's like it's sort of more like a club and if you don't fit in like it's a weird sort of thing you know and you need to you need to be respected by us to be let in wow. <laughs> and he's one of these guys who's like he's he's like exactly like we are so it's nice to have his input and even like when we go home or we've recorded the album you'll send it and i'm like what's that bit there what's that sample bit there and he's like oh, what do you think i've just done this and that and that and that. I didn't even think about that but it sounds amazing oh fair play you know? so he sort of he helps he not writes with us but he puts things in yeah I think he puts good. it in to see if we'll notice for a start and then if we notice then he'll go yeah put that what do you think and it's yeah that's, it's just the best way with to re- for us to record with him now so you definitely and go back sounds awesome as well you know yeah yeah you, know? So you definitely go back yeah, well, I don't think we'll ever record another record without him now. Yeah, it's it really just, seems to work. 
Well, when you find somebody who's, who you can work with who's not fight, it's really hard, I find, with producers and stuff. It's, you know, we've had one or two where you feel like you've, you're fighting against them. Yeah. You know, and it's, after, especially back in when we first started, I found it really hard to, you know, to let go of what it was, you know, when someone goes, oh, why don't you try that verse there? And I'm like, no, no, it sounds wicked. It sounds good the way it is. I know what you mean. And then, but I think my mind changed from that when we did, when we recorded the second record and we were sort of, you know, and we, people got, the guy was going, why don't you try that there? And we're like, oh, and we try it off. It does sound better, you know? And from there on, I think we, and then the, we tried it, and then we did the, the third record with just us, which was a total disaster. We, we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> no, because it just sounds quite shit. And we didn't really, we thought we were, we knew what we were doing. We didn't know. The second record had to fly over from LA to sort of try and wow. <laughs> salvage the record, <laughs> which is quite funny. But uh, yeah, and then the, the third, the fourth record, Larry, Larry did. That from a hundred reasons he recorded that. Ah, oh, cool. And then we've had Russ ever since then. But it's really weird because Russ comes from the same towns where we all come from. Right. And it's I've just never I've never understood why we never just went to him, you know. But I think yeah. it was management sort of didn't really get on with him. And it was mm. sort of, no, oh, we're gonna try this guy, we're gonna try realistically we should have went, no, he comes from around where we live. And he was quite a I mean, he's done all of all the original Wild Heart stuff. He oh, did right. That. So he's been around for a long time, you know. He's not just a... Yeah, he's done... He yeah, from, from from Corby. Corby. Or, you know, like, does, oh, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. You know, he knows what he's doing. But, I mean, I think it, it just... Things happen for a reason, you know. It's, yeah. it's great, you know. And now he's got this really sort of quite a biggish name in that extreme sort of doing Napalm Death and stuff. And working with machine head and all that sort of stuff is it's it's quite nice for us now because there were people who are producer from does blah 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 it makes us look a bit bigger as yeah. well, well <laughs> you know does. no it all, all helps yeah it's all smoke and mirrors at the end of the day isn't it it's like yeah it definitely comes, is. it comes under the songs and yeah I it's so funny like when we meet people and people sort of you know ah. Oh, you don't have to tell me what your name is. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? You, you know, like, it is so weird when people come up to me, oh, how's Daisy? And I'm like going, that is weird. When people know my daughter, well, yeah, my daughter's like, name and they know her, like, it's just like, oh, you're stalking my Facebook page. How would you know? You know? Is, but it's, yeah. it happens, doesn't it? You just yeah. can't help that. You, you've lost all privacy. Probably my own fault because I do put a lot of stuff out. Yeah, about, right, exactly. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, there so, you go. So, um, one thing we haven't mentioned, I know you've got a bit of a drum collection going. You've got quite yeah. a lot of drum kits and snare drums. What are your favourite pieces you'd like to show off? That, that the one kit that I've had for a long time is the the, the Premier kit. Um, I don't even know what what it is, um, which what what, brand. Yeah, because it, all it's all it's got is the Premier sign on it, and right. I bought it off of this other drummer. He was like they did quite well in the like late late nineties, early early nineties, and I bought it off of him, and um, 
he said he had it made for him. Wow. So it's, it's, yeah. So that's the one kit that I, I, I love recording with it. I hate taking it on tour now because it's so old. Right. And it's all sort of lumps missing out of it and stuff. And especially, you know, especially some of these smaller venues, I just hate taking it out, especially on support tours. I'll never take it out because sometimes you get asked if the first band can be play yeah. on it. And I'm not, I don't I hate other people playing on my drum kit. Totally. Phil, stop. Like, yeah. I don't like it. It's, it's, it's a no go for me on many, on many levels. I know. <laughs> unless, unless it's like somebody who I know. Yeah, like, I guess. Of course. But even then, I'm like, oh, I don't want to, don't like that. Ideally, you don't want anyone else playing it, do you? No, well, it's no. just like, would a guitarist let their, a guitar, another guitarist play on their guitar? No, not not. (laughs) I think in an emergency situation, I've seen it happen. You know. Oh, of course, yeah, but not a dude who you don't know. Yeah, man, can I use your gear? Yeah, way. You know, I always say no. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, you know, when we first started doing quite well, our manager said, "This ain't our tour manager. It ain't happening anymore." Yeah, ain't happening. So I just, and I've got a, I've got a. I don't know what other kits I've got now. I've got a Gretsch kit, which is Sparkle. It's really nice, but I never play it. So I might sell that one. Is it? I really want one. I really want a John Bonham replica kit. Yeah, yeah. But they're so expensive. So expensive. What do you mean, like a, a Vista light or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I've been looking, and I found one the other day online, and it was fifteen hundred quid, and I thought, oh. That seems quite reasonable for what it Yeah, it was lovely. It had it was like um like it was um it had the the drum was all different colours. It was like a rainbow effect. Oh, it's yeah. so no like acrylic. But I can't go well, I was oh, I want it. I'm not making any money at the minute. I know. You can't justify it. So I can't even if I wanted it, I can't go anyway. You can't go and buy it, yeah. No. No, I know what you mean. It's it's so difficult at the moment with spending. Obviously, you've got you're selling a few records and stuff, but you yeah. haven't got your live income. No, you haven't got the merch sales from the live income. No, like online merch sales are great, and I think you said you've always done quite well with that. But yeah, yeah, not getting the 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 merch income from touring. That's yeah. a big that's a big hit for us as a band. Yeah. Um, definitely, it's definitely a big hit. For us, because that's sort of that's where our main income sort of comes from, yeah. even on tour. Because obviously, when you're on tour, you've got to pay for um, sound guy, tour manager, yeah. driver, fuel, you know, all, all that sort of stuff, and yeah. hotels, whatever. Where that that the sort of the fee sort of pays. I mean, we do make money from the fee, but that's sort of we worry if that don't sort of, that gets. Yeah in a way where the merchandise is we make so much money from merch on tour yeah that's where we make that's where it's it's all at really yeah i think it's um, the same for most bands yeah nowadays so. yeah which is annoying but like it's because i mean really realistically we don't sort of the speed on we don't we, we make money from the band but we don't make it if we're not touring that's yeah. that's sort of the main thing now so when we're up because we're not signed to a, a, a label, we haven't. That's sort of the way we work now. Especially now we've we've ventured out to be our own label. We've even we've got to watch money even more now. Of course, yeah. 
more than anything. It's all coming out of your pocket. So. Yeah. See, so yeah, I've got that kit. I've got yeah. the full cast drum kit. Yeah. Kit. So will you use live now? Yeah, I've started to use live, but I think the guy's going to make me another tom because the tom's a 12-inch tom. It's just so... It sounds awesome for a small tom. It sounds awesome, but it needs to be a four, it needs to be 14 or 13. It's just yeah. too small. And uh, I want an 18-inch floor tom as well. Nice. But uh, I've just got to... He keeps, I keep on asking him, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And it never, <laughs> never happens, mm. but it's probably my fault because I'm not pushing him. Yeah. You know, I've got about 20-odd snares that I've got wow. Premier custom is it custom classic i think they're called the ham hammered one the one i bought from the uh oh, from right. the charity shop the charity <laughs> shop down the road yeah that's that's one of my favorite snares now it sounds sounds killer so what was the what was the story there you were wandering around the village you popped into the, the charity shop well the day before i said I was, my wife was saying to me don't buy any more drums you've got too many drums you've got lock up in cardiff and it's just it's overflowing into here now and i was like yeah yeah, I'm not going to buy anything else. Walking down the street, I was like, what's that in the window? It was like £10 or something. I was like, sure, them, them snares are worth so much money. I, I, I didn't even speak to the woman. I just walked in and walked like on into the window. And the woman was like, whoa, you're not allowed to. I was like, I'm just, I'm just picking this up. <laughs> I was so scared in case someone, someone like you would see it. <laughs> I was oh, like, yeah. Well, I w- if I'd seen it, yeah. if I'd seen it, I would have bought it. Just... Yeah. Out of curiosity. Yeah, I mean, it didn't have any hoops or anything on it, but luckily enough, I had all of that in my lockup. Yeah. I, I think they're like, because it's hand hammered as well, metal. I think they're worth like brand new, they're three, four hundred quid. Wow. How did it get there? That's crazy, isn't it? It's mad. I don't know. It's yeah. one of them things, I bet you. It's, it's probably been somebody's like son's. And they've just left it there. And yeah. Someone's, oh, it's been here for a couple of years. I'm just going to take it down. Yeah. The amount, of snare, the amount of snare drums I've picked up like that through the years. Of, I bought like this Route 70s um, uh, Premier snare in a charity shop in Cardiff. Oh, wow. You know, it was like 20 quid. You know, and they just, and it's, I think it's like off an Olympic kit, but even like them old Premier stuff now is starting to become quite. Definitely. Yeah, because t- tre- yeah. Premier are not technically a company anymore, are they? Or they've stopped no. producing. They've stopped producing drums. So yeah. there's going to be a lot of collectors after that stuff. Yeah, I think they've got a little, um, like a little unit in Leicestershire. Still. Oh, okay. But it's like you're walking, and it's probably as big as my office. You know, <laughs> right. like nothing there. I think a lot of the stuff gets made in Taiwan or somewhere like that now. Right. It's really sad, you know. But I met that that Premier kit I've got. The, the toms just sound—they're massive. They sound so big. I remember when I went in to record with Todd years ago with another band. Oh yeah. He, he instantly said, "Oh, what, can I buy that off you?" And I was like, "No way." Did he? Yeah. Hmm. There's no way I'm ever selling that kit. It's is the it? one kit that I will never. What size is? Is that one? It's twenty-four kick. Yeah. I've worked quite a lot of drums with it. It's a 13, 14, 16, 18. Nice. But I only used a 14 and 18. But they just, the, the 18 just sounds like a, like a kettle drum. It's so like, yeah. thunderous. I'd love an 18-inch floor. I, I don't own any, but... Um, yeah. But I've I got do... a six, 
I've got six. I, I want to start using the 16 and 18, but I'm so used to never, I've only ever used three, two toms. Yeah. So I find it really strange sometimes when I come to sort of trying to use it. I, it's just there. I just forget about it. Yeah. I think you just need to spend time. I, re- I remember yeah. when I switched from having one floor tom to two. Yeah. And I, I did find it quite fun, but I, I, it took me a lot of kind of rehearsals to kind of utilize. Yeah. And like figure out the fills and how to utilize them both and positioning as well is another thing. Yeah. I, think, I think I position mine a little strangely compared to other people, but yeah, I don't know. But I yeah. definitely, with my, the setup I, the setup I use, everyone says you, I play really strange. Yeah. I've never sat at your kit. I love no, to. My bass drum's really off to the side. Right. It's sort of completely facing the wrong way. Yeah. But it's just, it's just, it's just comfortable. Yeah, and every, that. every tom's really low. Yeah. I like everything really low. I have, I have my tom's really low. Everyone tells yeah. me. Because if I do have to share my kit with someone, they always raise my floor toms by about three oh, inches. And I'm like, that's the, that's oh. the thing that really annoys me. Yeah. The most out of everything is that yeah. people moving things around. I just hate it. Yeah. But then um, when I got that um, forecast kit, the guys had just lent me it for like a tour. Yeah. And um, a band called Feed the Rhino, who are, who are like, they are my friends. Yeah. And I said, look, because I know the bass, the drummer stands on the bass drum. I said, look, don't stand on that bass drum because no it's acrylic. I literally just got the kit yesterday. Yeah. Don't do that. And I come out and he's standing on the kit. And I was like, yeah especially if you'd actually requested that he didn't do that yeah. that's really that's really I, I hate even like our, our singer he loves doing stuff to piss me off <laughs> the best todd, of times todd todd likes to put his foot up on my bass room to annoy yeah. me because he knows it annoys me but at least he doesn't like jump off it or stand yeah. on it but yeah. he kind of puts his foot up on it and like gives me this look i'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, I, 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 Frank does it. Frank does everything just to annoy me. Uh, I think he loves like halfway like on the last song, he'll just start taking my symbols off. So I'm left with like, <laughs> <my hat>. <laughs> <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny though. It's good that you can have a laugh and yeah, yeah, it's good after all these years as well. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got so many drums. I don't. Yeah, I'm just. I always think to myself, I don't want to buy any more, but then I end up somehow down the line, especially with forecast drums. They're always putting stuff up. I really want an acrylic snare drum for some reason. I just want one. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried one of of theirs out before and it didn't sound the best, but I just like, I just like the look. I I think I'm, I'm lucky now since I'm, since I've kind of turned into a professional musician. Yeah. Well, that's questionable at the moment, but, um, I don't buy as much gear. Yeah. And I think I used to buy more when I was working in the shop. Yeah. Because I had, I had a regular income and it was, even though I was touring and gigging, it was kind of like a hobby as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like I could afford these things and I could justify them. But also I was surrounded in that world of buying music stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at the websites, looking at the catalogs, and it was just like made you want things. But then I kind of got over that, and I realized none of this is making me a better player. 
none, none of it's, you know, arguably some of the things are making me sound better or giving me yeah. op- options, but I can only use so much at one time. Yeah, exactly. And I've got to store it all somewhere. Um, and I, yeah, I still own a lot of it. I did get rid of a few kind of top yeah. end kits, unfortunately. But I'm, I'm at this stage now when I've been gigging with our white kit for a few years that you've seen. Yeah. Like, oh, do I do I get do I get a nice black one for the next next tour? Yeah. But I'm like, I've got to be careful on the spending at the moment. Yeah. Because like, well, our, like, our album's black and uh, gold. I want a black and gold kit now. Yeah, they look they look great, man. Yeah. Because I don't. I've never. Well. I don't want to slag him off because I'm trying to get one off. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind trying them. Is it NATO kits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marshall. Yeah. I've only seen. I've only seen the band I used to tour manage had one, and the one he had, it seemed that it, it, the hardware and the drums, they they sort of the drums were quite warped and stuff after oh, really? a year. Oh, and it right. sort of made me think. Oh, I don't know if I I would mm. want to try them, but it might have just been a lower end kit. But well, I've got like I would love a black one with like a gold sort of yeah rim around it. But then saying that, if I find one like a premier one, I would love it. But You'd rather semi old. Yeah, I. But the thing is, is I'm so used to playing a 24 inch kit. I don't uh, kick drum. I don't yeah. think I can go back down to a 22 now. No. I'm so used to do. It just feels different. I think it does. Yeah, I think the it's hard to describe, and because sometimes when we get a rental kit for a festival. They give me a 22. Yeah. Sometimes I feel comfortable and sometimes I don't. It all depends. I think it depends yeah. on the skin and the tight and how tight yeah. or loose it is. And there's too many variables with drums. So yeah. I do prefer playing my own kit. But, uh, we played this um, festival last year, uh, Damnation Festival in Leeds. And then I said to our tour manager, oh, drum kit's going to be horrendous. I'm just bringing my own up. He's like, no, no, just bring up your hardware. It's easier, quicker, and all that. So, oh, I'm well gutted that I have to use the kit. He's like, it's just easier. And I get there, and he's like, somehow we'd managed to get this DW kit. Oh, it was like, no one else had used it but me. It was just sitting in the back. I was like, I wonder whose kit that is. And he was like, Oh, that's your one for the day. Nice. But because he knew the, the rental people, the people who had in, installed all this, all the gear, he got them to bring this kit up. It was like a 20, 26 inch bass drum, and I oh. thought, this is insane. And like, I would, I don't think I'd ever want something like that. It's too big. It's too big. To I love how they sound. Yeah, they do sound amazing. Todd used to have one in his studio, and yeah, Gretsch one, and it sounded amazing. But yeah. it's just too big to carry around, and exactly, it's not practical enough, really. No, it's like that twenty six inch ride I've got. Yeah, it looks amazing. It sounds insane, but it's just. The hassle of because like you can buy cases for him, but they're so expensive. Just for one symbol. Yeah. Obviously, I've got it in the back of like the van and the stuff, and keeping yeah. it usually on the bunk part. But then I'm scared it will break hard and I'll take someone's head off or yeah, you know. And, and it just sits there until because I'm never I'm never allowed to use it. <laughs> it's just a backup in case it breaks. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. When I bring it out, everyone's like, oh, no, <laughs> here we go. Because it's just, it's like a gong. Like, you yeah. hit it, it doesn't stop. So it's a, this, I was about to ask you about this. You're a, you endorse stag symbols, right? Yeah, yeah, And that's yeah. what, this is what the 26-inch bad boy ride is. Yeah, um, it's like a mega bell. Something like that. Insane thing. But, like, I've seen it because, obviously, I was 
when Speedon got back together, they sent me like a list of you're on you're on you're on the gold list or whatever they called it. So I nice. get whatever I want. And um they sent me this list of symbols. It's a 20, 30 inch ride. That's insane. And I, I sort of just laughed and I thought, I just want it just because it's the 30 inch ride. They, <laughs> and they I, do I rung Phil up and I said, oh, can I have this 30 inch ride? And he was like, don't be silly, Gordon. No one needs a 30-inch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't know they made a 30-inch. That's insane. Yeah, it's huge. It's the, well, I've never seen it, but and I thought, I just want it. Just to, The only reason I wanted it is just to walk into practice with it and go, look at this, Paulie. I'm going. But then, like, I said, okay, well, can I try one of these 26? And he was like, he, he was reluctantly like, okay, I'll send you one out. Yeah. And got to practice, and obviously practice rooms ain't the biggest practice rooms. Yeah. And I walked in with this thing, and everyone just like, right, put that back in your car now. You're not using that <laughs> thing. <laughs> That's amazing. But it's, even with speed one, it was just so like you just hit it once, it just go over everything. Because they, like, I used to use those symbols, and um, yeah, like the biggest I had was the twenty-two, and they were still loud, man. They, yeah, yeah, they were super loud. The was it Myra or Mira series? Yeah, yeah, that one. I Furia. used them. I used them. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of them. The Genghis. Or Genghis something or something is it? Yeah, I used them. Their hi hats. They sound amazing, but the the the, the crashes. They're just they're more like a um, for jazz musicians, I think. Yeah, they're so not good. They just, they just don't. Don't cut, cut. And the thing is with with, with speed one is, you know, we it just needs to cut through. Yeah. More than more than any, more than anything. And being a hard hitting drummer, I'm always breaking symbols. So it's it's nice to have a company which is, they 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 look after me really well. Yeah. Uh, Phil's amazing. I don't know if that's who you dealt yeah, with. Yeah. Phil. Phil, Phil Woods. Yeah. yeah great guy. He's a great guy. So. It's nice because obviously because they're a part of Remo as well. You get a good deal with Remo skins as well. So yeah. obviously it's just, it's, it's a great, I think these bigger companies, they just don't, if you're not like a big famous act, um, they won't, they won't sort of touch you really. And I, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite, I don't want to pay for symbols. Well, no, well, you've you know, got you and I'm not, I'm not just I'm not just with Stag because of because of that. It's just I, mean, I had a saving deal before I went with Stag, and I was, right. you know, and I tried them out, and I thought they were amazing. And I, the thing is for me is they're a smaller company. If they look after you, yeah, you, you sort of I talk, you know, when I when I go out and tour, manage the amount of bands who use Stag or got Stag deals through me saying I oh, check them out, yeah, and that Stag have obviously got money from them down the line so i think that's probably one of the reasons why they've kept they, me on as well well yeah they look well you yeah. know the end of the day your band is still doing cool stuff so yeah you're probably exactly. one of their one of their biggest endorses yeah. i would have thought so yeah it's cool but yeah if you yeah i mean it's, it's all your, it's your preference as well isn't it of what yeah. you like i mean the thing i mean one thing was was and i'm not slagging them off is it's when symbol can sound Awesome, and another one, it just doesn't sound as good as right. As so, not one. as consistent, but I mean, it's so, it's so sort of if, if yeah. you know, if you're not paying for them, but yeah, yeah. And if, if it's not, if you're not, re- if your ear's not in tune with it, you can't, you don't really notice, you know, yeah, 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 too much. 
But then, yeah, I mean, they've, they've been great with me. I've been with him for like seven years, seven or eight years now. Great. Yeah, and they're awesome. So I don't see people keep on saying to me, "Go to save you and go," and I'm like, "Yeah, well, yeah, that's all well and good, but I don't." I, I mean, like the old drummer from um, Funeral, he'd just be constantly chasing Sabian if he broke yeah. a symbol. Yeah, I need a symbol. I need the symbol. And like the worst thing as a drummer, I think, is playing with broken symbols. Oh, it's, yeah, you know, it's the worst. It's the saddest thing in, in my life is when you're playing. And you go to hit a crash and it just fizzes and you're just there going, oh. I know. I, I, I had a bit of bother on my last tour, unfortunately. And Oh, really? It, they'd come to the end of their life and they broke at like the start of the tour. And oh, it was a no. bit of a, just a bit of a logistical nightmare to get a replacement sent out. But we, I, there was one I did get sent out to one of the shows, which was nice. And then I had another one go a few days later and, oh. and I had a few spares, there had lots of spares and then my spares that were, my spares were old. Yeah. And then they started breaking. I, and I, I got to the point where I had one crash symbol that was, that wasn't broken, I think for the rest of the tour. Um, but now I've learned from that now and I've invested in a, like, so I've got a spare set of new symbols. Yeah. So I've got my main set. And I've also got a spare set of good new oh, symbols, yeah. well, newish. Yeah. So I'm not using ten-year-old symbols as spares because yeah. they're just going to break as well. Have you, so, have you got a, what symbols do you use? They... I, I'm using Paiste at the moment. Yeah. And uh, I love them; they're amazing. Yeah. yeah. And what one thing about them is they are very consistent. So if you get a replacement, it virtually sounds exactly like oh, really? the, the other one used to sound, which yeah. is fantastic when you yeah. when you're used to a certain tone night yeah. after night um you can kind of replace that but yeah i've kind of just learned it is a bit of a logistical problem to it's get them out and um because i deal with like the uk distributor and then okay. i was i think i was in germany at the time and it was just like to actually time the delivery to yeah. land in that town on that day and guarantee it and make sure the venue were open to take it in yeah. wasn't that's a good thing with Stag as well. I've been on tour before and I've broken like a couple of symbols and they've just said to me, go to this sh the shop oh, that's cool. in this town. Um, I'll get in contact with a guy and nice. sort of walked in and swapped him over. That's brilliant. Which is amazing. That is know? amazing, yeah, yeah. And I think in Europe as well, because they're a European-based company. I think yeah, Belgium. Belgium yeah. They're all over the place in Europe as well. I think if you went further afield, I don't know how easy it would be to get them like in yeah. America or, yeah, that's or a good point. like that. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, even like when, when I was with Sabian, it was amazing. The guy who I dealt with, but he left and then it all sort of started going to shit really. Yeah. But he, the guy, the rep I dealt with there, a guy called Jerome Marcus, he was the best dude ever. You know, like you'd ring him up and say, I need this here and it would be there. You know, oh. like, you know, I remember being in Japan and breaking symbols and oh, I've broken two crashes. They'll be there tomorrow and they'll be like there. Wow. The next day, a guy like, from Sabin's wherever in Japan, like bring him to me. You know, it was amazing. But then when he left, it sort of, I remember he left and I rung up for something and the guy was like, oh no, I'm not giving you that. I said, well, go onto your website and look at the first drum what comes up and when, when you when you googled um sabian like on on their page was me playing drums wow 
and the guy was like, I'll send you some out now. And I was like, oh, I can see where this is going. Like, it's not, it's the relationship sort of not going to be there for much longer. Yeah. So like, and I was like, oh, we're headlining a stage at download, like the second stage, whatever. Like, come on, I need them symbols for that. Yeah, and then yeah. after that, it's all sort of started turning a bit sour and they weren't replying. And then my friend just said to me, Carl Richardson, don't know if you know him. I know Carl, yeah, yeah. He said, because he had a deal because he was in a band called Shape by Fate. He said, I'll just try these symbols out. They're really good. And I was like, yeah, if that's sort of purist, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I sort of I tried them for all my, sound great. Yeah. Sounded as good as the Sabian ones. So I just sort of got in contact with them. They instantly said, yeah. Cool. And I weren't even in a, I weren't even in a band really then. I'd stopped playing for a while. Oh, right. Yeah. And I just said, oh, I, I mean, we used to be in a band really to be with any chance. I said, yeah, 50% deal. Yeah. That's like awesome. So it's like, so yeah. So I, I don't see, I don't see the point in leaving them when no, not at all. So good with me, you know. Yeah, exactly. You get the, the, the support you need, and you like the sound. Yeah. So what's what it's a good relationship, I think. With yeah, I mean, like, it's like when we went up to that drum show together. Yeah, just hanging out with them. They're just so lovely. Is like, it the U, the UK drum show that one's yeah, called? Yeah, Manchester. yeah. I love drums, but my God, that was literally kill. Remember when we walked in? I was just there going, "It's just every drummer." <laughs> and then they have like five minutes of silence, and then you have like ten minutes of complete noise. It's mental. Crazy. Yeah, it was it's crazy. Good. I love drums, but I can't. Oh God, I couldn't be there. The guy from um, Forecast was there. Right. Do you remember? I yeah, I, yeah, I remember you. you me, like, Help me, please. <laughs> <laughs> all like three days of that yeah so i can't doing the whole weekend man must be difficult for any of the yeah. people with on the stands or whatever but i guess no. they have to push their products so they yeah trying to make money so exactly yeah. it must be hard being a drum a drum company or a new drum company or a symbol company to even break through to definitely 100 percent. i don't know how they do it no nah. because the, the the big brands are so established it must yeah. be so much harder to kind of stand out and give people a reason to try yeah. your product or because at the end of the day, they, they still cost a lot of money, no matter what, what, what you're looking at. Exactly. You know, they're not, they're not cheap, especially at retail. No, um, especially if like you're a young drummer, yeah. you know, you'll look at who your favorite band are. Who, if you, if yeah, you were like me when I was younger and you'd look at kits and go, Oh my God. Dave Grove's playing a Tama or whatever. Yeah. That's the drum kit you, you always wanted to go with. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't want to go with somebody down the road who's making them out of their garage. You'd be like, nah, come on. I want that kit. I've seen yeah. that on MTV or whatever you, you know. MTV, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's true though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you, you were nah, the same. I guess with me, it's kind of, I, I always tell this story that, Obviously, I was influenced by like the Motorhead drummer, Mickey D, quite a lot. Because I was always going to their gig, gigs when I was a kid. And I used to have a poster of him on my wall, like a signed poster. And it was him standing yeah. behind his big white sonar kit. Oh, so I think, I think in the back of my brain, it's like I, I've always wanted a white sonar kit. <laughs> and that's where I've been playing for years. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, outside influences, I, I never really looked at what gear they were using, I suppose. I probably have done more now. But when I was a kid... I wasn't really looking at brands and yeah. stuff like that. I think that's probably why I I, I play I like Premier is because my, my favorite drummer is Keith Moon. Right. And every so every so 
you know, as a kid, I remember my dad shit going, watch this drummer. And it was the first image was obviously him going insane. Yeah. That, that premier badge. It's always that thing. Yeah, man. And I had first kit was like something really crap. And I had a Tamar. And it, ever since then, it was like, I want this premier kits. Awesome. All the way. I mean, I wouldn't want the newer ones now because I don't think they sound that great. But the older stuff, I think it just sounds awesome. You'd have to I'd do love like... a Ludwig kit. I'd love a Ludwig kit. But yeah. I just love the, pre- I love that Premier kit. It's just, if I could buy the, that exact kit again, but in better condition, I, I would definitely get do one. it. Awesome, man. Definitely. But um, I mean, like the, the forecast kit, it sounds awesome, but it, it's, I don't know what, I don't know what it, I don't know if because the toms are really deep on that. It must be that, but they just sound, nothing comes close to that, that kit yeah i mean i'm intrigued as well actually because i i don't know if you've listened but one of my recent episodes with a, a welsh drummer called bob richards he's got yeah. like a collection of vintage premier okay. drums and um what he did he's bought a lot of them a lot of them separately and i like could rewrap them and stuff okay and made them into kits and they're all matching yeah. but he, he goes on about the sounds of the toms yeah something special about them yeah, they just sound because like that kit. I was thinking about getting it, Reese, because it's it hasn't got a wrap on it. It's just drum sprayed. Right. And I keep on thinking about get, getting it resprayed, but then I'm so worried about getting it because it's such a because <clears throat> the color. I've never seen a kit, a Premier kit, that sort of color before. Right. With sky yeah. blue, so like basically it's close to just being white, but with like a. I've so seen the pi- I've seen the picture actually. I know yeah. what you mean like a sky blue. You should message no, Bob. Message yeah. Bob, you might know about it or yeah. when it, what, what year it was or what range yeah. it was. You might be able to I think identify it. it, it. Be, I think it's like an early 90s kit. I thought it was a 60s kit, but yeah. the 60s kits had that sort of this sort of screwdrivery kind of um, lug. I know what you mean, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it must be a early 90s, but yeah, I've never heard tongs that sound like that nice. on any other kit. They just, they're just so big they're massive i mean awesome. every 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 album i've recorded every record i've ever been on with that kit and every time people have said that kit sounds insane <laughs> you know but it's not even it's not even a heavy kit right i don't even know what, what wood it's made from it's just it's quite yes. light but it's just so boomy yeah well the thinner shells are surprising that yeah they can get a, they can provide the, like some of the deepest tones or the biggest tuning range the thinner the shell. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's the thicker the shell, the more volume. But in yeah. terms of tone, I think the, sh- the thinner shells are meant to be better. Yeah. But, um, no, I don't know. I'm not an but expert. Then, then, that, that, that acrylic kit, it sounds, the top, the, the floor tone sounds amazing. It's so big. Yeah. Um, they're just really heavy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, physically heavy. Yeah. yeah physically, especially when you've got them in them big sort of, Hard cases, they're just insane. They weigh a lot on their own, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Awesome. Let's um, jump to the end now then. So this is the question I ask everybody. If you could make your own dream band with yourself on the drums, who who else would be in the band? But you're not allowed to use members of Raging Speedhorn. Okay. And, And the members can be dead or alive. Oh. How many members can it be? Whatever you want. 
whatever you want create create your dream band i don't care as many as many instruments as you want my god i think i'd have robert plant as vocals nice nice uh Tony Iommi on guitar. <laughs> Class, yeah, yeah. Oh, who else could I have? Mmm, bass players. Mm. I think I'd have Ed Whistle from uh, from The Who on bass because he's like an insane bass player. Yeah, he's he's meant to be really good, isn't he? Yeah, and he's so- like, come on. If you listen, I've got a DVD of all their stuff, and they've isolated his bass tone. And just ba- bass playing is and is insane. I have to I have to check it out. Admit, admittedly, I've never listened to the Who a, a, a colossal amount. I remember yeah. when I was a youngster, my dad gave me was it a Who's Next album or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. And that's, so I'm aware of that, but I haven't really listened to much else. Yeah, there. I think they're a band you either love them or you hate them. I don't hate. Them. I don't hate them. It's just I never gone into them as much. And I've I've yeah. some of the singles and stuff. Yeah. But it was, I think, I think at the time when I was a kid, it was just like, oh, this, it was the more, because it was an old fashioned production, yeah, obviously, because yeah. it was old. And I was yeah. just like, and I was, at the time, I was probably listening to like, new metal or something. Yeah, and I was yeah. just like, this is, I don't really like this. But then it's when I hit my 20s and stuff, I kind of got into Zeppelin and Sabbath and yeah. all the older bands. And I really appreciate it now, but I haven't, I've never gone back to revisit yeah. The Who, but I will. Yeah, I think like Zeppelin for me is just literally. I don't think you can beat that that band. No, there's, there's no yeah, but it's. I find it so cool how back in them days is all them sort of. But they all come from the UK, you know. Yeah, all of them. It's so cool to God knows how it happened. Yeah, but, exactly. uh, yeah, because I'm not you know not to diss any American musicians, but there were a lot of them. Big American bands, but they were all influenced by the British bands. Yeah, there might be a few I've, I've mistaken, but because all the British bands came out in the sixties, didn't they? And um, yeah, but then you could say they were influenced by American music. Yeah, I mean, I it's the same thing, same old discussion with, with Ringo. I think Ringo is like an amazing drummer. Yeah, man. I think he's so. I think he's so underrated as a drummer. He's he's like one of the idols for like this podcast obviously it's called drum for the song and yeah he's got his own unique style but he never he never kind of tried to show off or overplay and you listen to those beatles records and they're some of the most popular yeah. songs ever and exactly. will ever be they were you know i think like i think some drummers um sort of they think that you need to know every pad paradiddle under the sun and you know be a show off kind of drummer where, you know, to me, some, I like drummers who just, who are really solid yeah. and keep that band, keep the band just really sort of together. Yeah. But some, some drummers, they're just all over. I mean, like Keith Moon, I love him, but he's yeah. just all over the shop. And sometimes when you listen to him like on record, you're like, he's always like, how are they keeping up with him? Cause he's just, goes off on a tangent i think that was one thing i thought was quite strange when i listened to that who album because I, yeah. I guess i hadn't really heard the drumming being as busy as that before yeah and I, i'd obviously been playing drums for many years at that point and i was just like 
why is he playing so much? Because yeah. <laughs> I hadn't been like taught or heard anyone. I guess the busiest drummer I'd probably ever heard at that point was like Travis Barker. Yeah, yeah. And he is quite a busy drummer. Yeah. For, for the most part, it it fits in with Blink. It's really, it's really on this documentary I've got. It's they they sort of talk about it and Keith Moon and uh, Roger Daltrey, the singer, they didn't really get on very well. Right. They hated each other. Right. So like he when um. Roger would like be sort of singing. He'd sort of just lay back and just play. And the minute he stopped, he would like come in as like, the lead and just go uh, the drums. Well, that's interesting. I guess he was, yeah, yeah, using it like a lead instrument <laughs> yeah. on the moments where he thought you could. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And, and to piss off the lead singer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, I think he's a legend now because of his personality as well as his. Yeah, drumming. yeah. And he'll always be remembered. So. Fair play definitely. to him. He's, he's, he's definitely put a stamp on the world of drumming. Yeah. Which, I, and that's the argument to see. I keep seeing, because I'm pushing all this drum for the song stuff, and I see lots of arguments on drum Facebook groups saying, oh, you've got you've to gotta have an identity, put your stamp on it. You need to stand out from the rest of the band. And like, there's a lot of counter arguments for it. So I, I always yeah. listen to, to those. Um, yeah. But, um, I just think of all the all the biggest bands, most successful bands, they don't have show off drummers, do they? No. Never really been in I've never really been in into no. that kind no, of No, well thought. no, no. Well I, when when I listened to your when I listened to Speed On the other day, one of the things I noticed was like, Yeah, it's just really groovy, grooving drum beats. Yeah, yeah. And that fit perfectly with what's going on on the guitar and it just helps move the music yeah. along. And I was like, that's perfect. That's but I think that's, that's, that's through needs. like the bands what I listened to back then yeah. is like Sabbath, Zeppelin. I mean, like Bonham's were, I mean, he is technically amazing. Yeah. But when it didn't need it there, it didn't, it didn't put it there. Yeah, know? exactly. He's yeah. Done, done what the song needs to do. And I think some drummers forget that. Yeah. You know, they just go hell for leather trying to do everything they've learned mm. in, a, in, a, in a room or whatever they've done. I want to do this, but like, it's the same. Like, I've never used a double bass drum pedal. But yeah, like, yeah, that's interesting. People always say to me, oh, "What double bass drum pedal do you?" Have? I've never used one, yeah. and I think it's just through the bands that I've grown up listening to. I've never ever, never ever used them. That's fair enough. Yeah, you know? I've, I mean, I wouldn't mind trying it, but I think I just get, I just get bored of it. You know, yeah. I, just, I don't need it there. You know, I think if I went into a practice room. With speed on, they'd literally throw it out the window. They wouldn't would have they? it. Yeah. yeah, they just would not. They yeah, wouldn't allow cool. that yeah. at all. You know, <laughs> even when I say, "Oh, I'm thinking about getting another floor tom," they're like, "What are you on about?" Like, really? Yeah, because it's that sort of. They're the, they the kind of band that, like, for example, the guitarists. Do they not use many effects pedals and stuff? Not at all. So it's String, very basic. Yeah. yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah, but it's again, it's that sort of thing of. Um, the band sort of we listen to, like, no, yeah. you know, they don't use, I think they've got like a, a, a war or something like that. And yeah, bits and bobs, but they're not, they're not really into that sort of thing. You know, it's all about being loud and beefy. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, it's cool. like, and it's so funny with Andy because like, Obviously, he comes from a hundred reasons. So it's, it's like that he comes in with his stuff and we're like, what's that? 
like, come on, like you've got to get better stuff than that. And uh-huh. he's, in today he rang me going, I've just bought a new cab. And he sent me a picture. I was like, don't show that to Frank because he'll, he'll lose his mind. Well, because the, the, I mean, si- the size of it or the brand of yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. Because it's, uh, he, he gets a deal with Ashdown. He uses Ashdown. And I'm just there going, it's just not like, get, get a, either an orange amp peg or some, something like that, which is our kind of sound. And he's insistent of using this yeah. stuff. But it's just, you know, I, I don't know what, I don't know what you guys use on, Based stuff. Tyler, be, Tyler uses orange. There we go. Yeah. You know, I've been telling it was like when he first joined the band, I was like, oh, we've got a, we've got contacts for orange and oh, I don't like orange. I was like, mm-hmm. have you ever tried it? <laughs> like, you know, he's one of these guys who he likes that sound, so he wants to be. And I was like, but you're not in a hundred reasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can imagine Ashdown. Like Ashdown is a great make, and yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think they do their idea of like a noisy band. No. Like with Orange, they've all got like built in over, like overdrives yeah. and gains and stuff on them, yeah. which would be wicked for your sound. I'll tell you what's completely different now with, with Speed On is because Andy plays bass with his, with his hand that he used to pick. Right. The attack of that is so much different. Yeah, I bet. I would say it's better, to be fair. Really? He's, okay. Yeah, he's, he's so... Yeah, he's such a good bass player. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. I instantly sort of noticed from having Dave, our old bass player, to him, it like so much tighter in right. rhythmic with it. You know, he's amazing. You must be player. good then, because I would have assumed it'd be easier to play tighter with a pick in general. But I guess if you're yeah. a great bass player, yeah, there's some songs anyway. on that new record where they're quite quick and run downy, and he's watching him in the studio. It's unbelievable. And he was sort of like first take. And you know, yeah, that was unbelievable to see that. And he said to he said to me the other and I was asking about it, he said that he find but playing with a pick, he's really he's a lot weaker. Right. Playing with his fingers. I guess if he's learned yeah. playing with his fingers, he's probably got really strong yeah. micro muscles yeah. and stuff in his he love he loves like maiden, so like ah right. That's that's the reason why. Fair enough. Know. Yeah. Awesome. Man. Every drummer needs a good bass player. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's it's interesting. Now you've noticed the difference moving from a pick player to a finger player. Yeah, definitely have. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's the attack on the strings is so different. Yeah, I, w- I would have thought it'd be softer. Yeah. He's just insane. Wow. He's so loud the way he plays. She's getting like you know the, the heaviest riff on riff on the, on the new record. Like he wrote he wrote it really. Yeah, which is he's a he's a he's a great guy to have around, and it's so good to have a guy who's done it all before as well. Yeah, to a bigger level than we ever did. So it's it's nice, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's cool. Actually, he's not. Yeah, I can imagine that being cool in that respect that he's just yeah. enjo- enjoying it. And he's done especially with before. Andy as well because he's been out of like being in a band touring band for a long time mm. to come in and because when he came when he started playing for the band he was only help well he said he was only helping us out right you know and then like we played like a festival quite a biggish festival and he's like came over and went I want to be in the band <laughs> you were never leaving anyway you're in the band <laughs> <laughs> this is the way we had to get you in but yeah class 
Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, well, look, thanks for taking the time out of your no su- Sunday afternoon, man. It's been really enjoyable to catch yeah. up properly like this and talk a bit about Definitely. drums and stuff for a change. And um, yeah, and we look forward to the new album, Hard to Kill. Yeah. I'll make sure all the listeners check it out. And, um, Thank you. I'll post some videos. And I'm going to, as soon as it comes out, I'm going to run to it. Oh, nice. I might see you down the park. Yes. <laughs> I, don't yeah, so run that, I don't run as far as you up that park. Do you go right to the top? Do you I, start? I make it up as I go along. Yeah, sometimes. You're, you're closer to the horse, aren't you? Yeah, I'm closer yeah. to the horse, yeah. I kind of yeah. start there and then make my way down and then sometimes I go back up. But yeah, see what happens. Yeah. See how, I was see thinking how the other music... day I went for a run. I was like, I wonder if I'll... Uh, I don't, with you, but I don't I, know what time you go out. What time do you? I make. I don't know. I, I, I don't go as often as I should. To be honest, if I've yeah. got a free day, I'll make sure I. I try and go in the morning because if I don't go in the morning, I'll yeah. find an excuse later in the day not to go. Yeah. Um. I usually try and go in the morning. I know this is not drum talk, but I usually no. go in the morning because I like running before I have anything to eat. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I feel like when I eat, when I eat, I feel really sluggish. My legs get really, really quite sore. Yeah. Where when I don't, when I don't um, eat, I seem to be able to go for a lot longer. Well, I, I was looking into that the other day, whether it's better to do exercise whilst you're fasted or not. And there's a lot of yeah. arguments for and against, but there's a lot of arguments for being fasted. Yeah. To do with, to do with metabolism and energy yeah. expenditure and stuff. So yeah, if that's so, I, I haven't quite decided what I prefer yet. Um, you used when I used to run a lot before. I used to have a banana before I went, and that helped a lot. But yeah. I think before, like every now and then, I'll have some lunch, and I'll go at like four o'clock. I'll go for a run, and I'm like, oh, it just kills me. Yeah, I feel really sort of head like sort of heavy. Yeah, you know, my legs really really hurt. But it must depend on what you what you eat and how yeah. how much time you've left. Yeah, especially in the middle of the afternoon. Um, you can. This is thing. It's called a circadian rhythm. Yeah, that's like your body clock, basically. And in the middle of the afternoon is the time where you're probably going to be most tired. Yeah, so that's yeah. probably not the, the most ideal time to do exercise. I'm, I'm tired of the time I've got well, three. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, that, that's just one one thing I know is this is why people have siestas and stuff because naturally, like the body kind of is telling you, oh, I want to. Yeah. Like, traditionally, like going back. Yeah, you know, thousands of years. It's been tradition for humans to have like naps in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Like, sorry, we don't now because like the way society works and yeah, we work and we have working days and stuff. Yeah, but but that's why you might feel tired. When we had Daisy, um, my wife, she wrote, read up all about it, and that's the why. That's the reason why kids snap in the day. Yes, it's because of that. Because it's already it's built into their into their body clock the minute they're born that's yeah. why they do that yeah which i didn't know yeah there we go yeah. A really, interesting, man. really interesting yeah <laughs> yeah man well look this we've gone off on a tangent now so yeah we leave it that but yeah thanks um if anyone wants to check out raging speed on do you know what your your tags are on social media or, or I don't probably raging, it's, prob- it's probably raging speed on i'll yeah. i'll be posting about you anyway okay. And um, thanks again. No worries. It's very been it's been awesome, man. Been nice to catch up. I'll see you down the road. Take care, buddy. Yes, you did. Bye bye. Bye bye.
Drum for the Song podcast. So thanks for listening to episode nine of Drum for the Song with Gordon Morrison of Raging Speedhorn. I hope you all enjoyed as much as I did making it. I've known Gordon quite a long time, but I really hadn't heard many of those stories before. So it sounds absolutely insane what he's got up to on tour back in the day. But if you like your heavy music, be sure to check out the new album from Raging Speedhorn, Hard to Kill. And check out some of their older stuff as well. If you're in a band in the UK and you might want to hire a van, make sure you search for Van Morrison Tours on Facebook so you can uh, inquire about booking with Gordon. As I mentioned in the introduction, please make sure you're following me on social media at Drum for the Song on Instagram and Twitter or search for Dane Campbell Drummer on Facebook. Let me know if you enjoy the episode. If you're consistently enjoying my podcasts, please consider supporting me on Patreon, where you can sign up for some exclusive content, including bonus episodes, monthly Q&A sessions, early access to the podcast. You can get a shout out. You can get a free ticket to one of my gigs even. So while we're on the subject, I'd like to give a huge thanks to my top tier patrons, called the Groove Masters. Thanks to Dean S. Monaghan, Rudy Pauly, Gareth Richards, and Dan Hurst. Cheers, guys. So if you think you might be interested in signing up and supporting me, first of all, I'd like to thank you in advance. The address is www.patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. There are four different tiers on there starting from £1 a month, and the top one is only £10 a month, but that's the one that gets you free tickets to my shows and everything that comes before it as well. One thing I haven't mentioned before, but I should really suggest, is you should try and sign up towards the start of the month to get the most value out of it because it charges you at the start of every month. But if you don't fancy paying monthly to support me, that's cool as well. There is an ACAST supporter feature that they mentioned at the start of the episode when you're listening on the audio version. You can just send me a one-off payment on there and buy me a beer or a coffee. That's all appreciated as well. I hope you continue to enjoy my future episodes. If you've missed any, feel free to go back and check those out too. And just don't forget to share with your friends and on social media. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it really does help spread the awareness of the podcast. So thanks, guys. I'll see you next time. And don't forget to drum for the song.